0: I had to shake him on my last case, Big O don't play
1: Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Musky Hunks Podcast I'm one of your five hosts this evening, Ryan Reed. We've got a very special set of guests this evening. I think we're all very pumped about this podcast and really an opportunity to get into a conversation about musky fishing uh, with, I would say, one of the more legendary individuals in the industry. So for those of us that are huge fans of media and things like that. So we are very excited to get into this episode before we do that, before we do the introductions, let's introduce the other hunks on the phone, and we're going to start with Mr. Nate Budajuski.
2: Love the show.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love the show. Where's Owen? He's supposed to correct me. I, all right.
1: Yeah, he. My bad. <laughs> he's off his game. There. We see for for our guests, we're not going to introduce them yet, but we like to mispronounce Nate's name. Just oh, one of those. It's okay. one of those fun things that we do. That it, it, it's got tons, of, it's ever, got tons of. It's got tons of vowels never in it. Seed of
4: my life.
2: I like. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm excited. The, two of my dad's top watched YouTube anglers in one one place. I can't believe this.
1: So. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, all right, man. Nate Bud. Good to see your smiling face wearing the the black and gold.
2: Yeah. By the time this is out, we'll all know what's up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we right. also we also have on the call tonight Mr. Donnie Swink.
5: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Nice. Good evening.
1: Looking pretty spry over there. I'm I'm excited you a new haircut, uh, don't
5: you? Uh Give yeah, me. yeah, I did, good. I got a little shave last week. Got my got my ears lowered. I'm good. I wanted to look spiffy for this for this one tonight. You know.
1: Don- Donnie's is my- No, yours perk is a rotten buck. That's all I have to say. (laughs) I (laughs) am. It's good to see your smiling face. We also have on the call our Westernmost correspondent, Mr. Ryan Elizondo. Good evening, gentlemen and lady. Uh, Excited for this one.
3: Can't wait to get moving on it.
1: Absolutely. To see you on the call tonight. We also have our our dad and the only sponsor of this podcast, <laughs> Miss, Mr. Owen Seaman and Big O's Bucktails.
0: Hey, glad glad to be here tonight. We are really excited about this one here. Uh, we're maybe we will say we've outkicked our coverage again here by by getting a guest that probably guests plural that probably shouldn't be giving us the time of the of the day, but they've decided to join us here and shoot the crap about about our favorite stupid fish, the musky. <laughs> so I think Mr. Elizondo is going to give us a little introduction because he's the one who was able to hook this episode up and uh, and make the connection. So we'll we'll sh- shift this one over to Ryan and let him introduce our guests. Thank you,
3: Owen. Well, I've been looking forward to this one. Um, I've been in contact for probably about five, six years with one of these individuals, uh, working real closely with Muskies Inc. and uh, some of our chapter articles and things like that, which has been awesome. Um, And this is a father-daughter duo that if you've been living under a rock for, I don't know how long, and you haven't seen one of their videos, something's wrong. You're not a musky fisherman. So pleased to introduce Mr. Mike and Miss Amy Keys. What's
1: up, guys? Hello. Thanks. For
6: Thank you for us. joining
1: us. This is a this is a childhood dream for Donnie Swink right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't, I, uh, don't age me like that. <laughs> I, I,
5: I, would say, I wouldn't say childhood because I haven't been doing this that long, but I would say since basically since I got into muskie fishing, you know, you guys know, we've talked about it before. Dave in Minnesota is the guy who got me going uh, when I went out to visit him. And it was, you know, when I came back, I was all about it and looking for every book and every avenue to learn more about it. And Very early on, he said, you got to check out Keys Outdoors on YouTube. You know, and this is going back like 2015, 2016. And there wasn't nearly the amount of, you know, YouTube's a little bit saturated now with, you know, musky videos, but it wasn't like that then, at least not that I knew of. And, you know, there was an abundance of Keys Outdoors videos and I watched every one so many times that I'm lucky my wife still married me because we were engaged <laughs> at the time and she <laughs> she started to get annoyed with seeing your face, Mike, but
4: I didn't. I can tell you that. <laughs> her thank you (laughs) oh yeah that that ages me man it's god i hear it all the time young men come up to me and go i was watching you when i was eight and i'm like thanks dude It's like, okay, is this when I start thinking about cremation or something? <laughs> What's going on here? Well, well, where? I mean, you've
0: you've been doing this long enough. Like, where do we even really get started? You know, uh, how how did where did you get started fishing from the very beginning? Have you know where did you grow up? Let's start there.
6: How long do we have for the podcast? <laughs>
0: yeah, we, we've got all the, t- we got
4: all the time you guys are willing to give us. So take your time. I'll, I'll simplify it. Um, uh, like I said, when we were talking earlier, um, I was in the hunting industry. And uh, I had seven products that I invented and brought to market and uh, sold nationwide. And what happened is, is I seen that industry eat itself. In is what happened was is back in the day when I, you know, this is 30 plus years ago. Uh there was a handful, only five people. Think about this. Five people in the whole world that ever shot a boon and crockett buck with the bow and arrow. Five. Now there's how many? And it's because of which is good, which is because of quality deer management and then the managing of the farms for deer, and they started growing. And so back in the day when I was there, if you wanted to hunt a farmer's land, you had to go help them bale hay, you had to go date his daughter who no one wanted to date, but you had to <laughs> because they had good bucks on that land. Right. You know <laughs> what I mean? You did things that you just never thought you'd <laughs> do to get on that land. And now what happened is, is once again, money, came into the sport and people started saying, Hey, dude, what is it? How much are your taxes a year? I'll pay that. And what it did is it locked it, knocked that lower class of hunter out. And what it did is it became more of an elitist type sport. And it really, it really bothered me to see that because it was, are you a hunter or are you a farmer? And when I, even to this day, I'll get into arguments with people because we're in Wisconsin, man. This is where trophy quality deer management started, was in the state. And when dudes whip out a phone and they start showing me pictures of Tipper at two and a half, here he's at three and a half, here he's at four and a half, next year I'm going to kill him because he's going to be a booning rocket buck. That's not hunting to me. That's, that's managing, that's farming. It's no different than saying when my prize heifer hits 1200 pounds, it's getting a bullet in the head and it's going right. And so I was, I was in the hunting thing. I got really just bad taste in my mouth for it all. Make a long story short. Because I was in manufacturing, I was filming all my own hunts with my products. Now, Back in the day, there, there was no internet. So there was only really three ways to reach the public. Trade shows was huge. I mean, like they literally, I lived on the road going from Deer Classic to Deer Classic to Deer Classic selling my goods. Uh, and then you had magazines, radio, and television. That was the only media forms that were out there. And so what happened was, is I started filming my own hunts, my products being used in, you know, the application of hunting to show the mm-hmm. public, Hey, if you buy, and I'd play them at trade shows, um, you know, DVD, you know, the old VCR, you know, put <laughs> it in and here, here's a kill that I did using all of my hunting products. And then what happened was, as a guy that was involved in the hunting industry wanted to start a Midwest uh, multi-species hunting, fishing TV show. The problem is, is he had no footage and he had no cameras. I had the cameras. He came to me and he said, hey, I want to start this show. Can I use a bunch of your kills for my pilot to send to Fox? And that was Fox North at the time. And so I gave him all my footage. He took it in, had it it edited because I wasn't really doing a lot of editing then and uh, put a pilot together and they came back and said, yeah, we want the we want the series. So he came to me and he was all jacked up and he's like, Mike, I got it, you know, and stuff. And he was like, let's do the first trip to Canada uh, filming a black bear hunt. And, you know, I'll film you shooting a bear and you film me shooting a bear. We get two kills for the first episode. And I was like, cool. So I went up there, gave up two weeks of my time, got him shooting a 450 pound cinnamon bear with the bow over his shoulder. Perfect smoke shot. I mean, just you couldn't ask for anything better. Well, then it came time for me to hunt. And uh, he said to me, he says, oh, dude, you know, I really don't have the money for your hunt. And, uh, you know, and I was like, I'm a businessman. I was like, Hey, that's all right. Get me on the rebound. We got what we wanted. We got it. Well, that was all cool till we got back down to Wisconsin And the first place that he stopped at, as we had this bear in the back of our truck was at a taxidermist. And he laid down my hunt in cash for a mounted bear that he was going to put in his office that no one was going to see, but him. I was livid. So we got back because I gave up two weeks of my time. My footage got him on the map. So he came, he called me up and he's like, hey, dude, I got to get that footage. And I was bitter. You know, I was really upset. And he said, I got to get that footage. And I said, what footage? And he's like, the footage, man, of my bear. And I says, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, Mike, the footage of my bear. And I says, no, Greg, that's my footage. My cameras, my footage. You told me you were going to pay for my hunt. You never did. You got one bear. Smart businessman would have taken instead of that bear that you'd put in your office that no one's going to see but you, you would have been better off sticking that into another kill for the first episode and had a killer episode. Well, then things calmed down a little bit. He called a lawyer, tried to get a lawyer on me. Um, This is the back in the day when there was no cell phone. So this is all landline. And I was in the kitchen of our house. Amy was just a little kid at the time. I had no intentions of going into TV. And he said, Mike, he tried to do the lawyer thing. I shot that down. Uh, And then he said to me, goes, Mike, what are you going to do with the footage? And I just being a smart ass. I says, I don't know, Greg, maybe I'll start my own TV show. And he said, you don't have what it takes to start a TV show. I looked at my wife. I slammed the phone. That's a way to motivate a man. We're going into the <laughs> TV business. That's, and it, exactly. That's a way to motivate a man, right? <laughs> it, 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 that's the truth. How it all went down. I had no intentions of doing that. I had my hunting stuff going. And I was like, we're going into the TV business. And uh, yeah, that was it. And here I am, you know. So he didn't how, last long. He only lasted like three seasons. Now, how did that end up?
0: you know, going from hunting into the fishing industry and, you know, in then in particular into muskies eventually.
4: Well, and this will get me back on my rant about the hunting thing. So what <laughs> happened was, is I met and you'll know, you guys are musky guys. So you'll know this. I was doing, when I started my TV show in 2000, I did 26 episodes a year and it was multi-species. So I did hunting, fishing, ice fishing, bass fishing, you name it, we did it. And I was on a shoot out in North Dakota doing an ice fishing trip. And one of the old timers sitting on this bucket, I was filming him. And cause he had a very interesting old, old school. He had a red brick tied to a rope and we were perch fishing and he dropped that brick down and he'd just work up that bottom and he was hammering out of anybody. So I thought I got to videotape this guy. This is interesting. Went over there, and in the conversation, he says, hey, he says, have you ever filmed a Muskie episode? I said, I never did. And he said, would you like to? And I said, yeah. He says, I got two brothers from uh, Poinette, Wisconsin, um, or Lake uh, Poinette, and uh, their names are Steve and Eric Jensen. Stevie Jensen, Jensen's Mm -hmm. guide. Yeah, and his brother. And uh, so then it was like, he said, would you like to go on a shoot with them and I said yeah so I mean I'm just starting out you know what I mean and so we rendezvous on this lake where we're supposed to hook up and we're there and you know I pull in there and I'm waiting and it's an hour and they're not showing up but I noticed the whole hour I'm sitting there there's two dudes (laughs) sitting in a truck just down from me and they've been there about as long as I've been there and I'm like that's got to be them so I get out of the car I walk over, Steve opens up the door and he goes, are you my keys? And I says, are you Steve Jensen? He goes, yeah. And I go, well, I've been waiting for it. He goes, we didn't expect the host of a TV show to show up in a geo Metro. <laughs> 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 I said, yeah. I said, but it gets 35 miles to the gallon, man. <laughs> and I'm just starting <laughs> out. Got me some slack here, bro. Absolutely. You know?
6: Absolutely. Now, Amy,
4: how old were you and when- dad starts getting into this,
0: this stuff. And he's like on the road a lot like that.
6: Well, uh, what 24 years ago, I'm 36. So yeah, I was just, um, right into middle school, I guess. Yeah. Middle school. school. Um, yeah, I was pretty, I mean, I was to that age where I'm like, fishing is not cool. I was not into it. He's the type of dad that never pushed us into anything either. So like even throughout our lives growing up, he was really into hunting and he encouraged us to do all of it. But if we didn't want to do it, he never pushed us to do it. So I yeah. didn't find my passion for it until later on in life. So. Well, that's cool that you did. Yeah.
2: You know, that you yeah, did absolutely. end up coming yeah. to it. Very cool. See, that that stuff always gives me hope. I, I have a two daughters, a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And they're excited about muskies. But I'm always like, I don't want to push it. But, I you know, right. I can't wait till you guys come up to Canada with me and get on the boat. And and they, they seem like it. They like the lore shows they like, you know, playing with the uh, lures and it's, it's good, but it's, you know, I always, I'm always interested in that too. Like how long it takes to get into it or, you know, what the, the avenue was, especially for young girls out there getting into musky fishing. Cause it's a, a lot of guys out there.
4: It is, but it's growing. I mean, I've, I've seen a tremendous amount of growth in the female uh, end of it. I mean, like crazy. Like, it's, it's definitely night and day from when I started. It was definitely a dominant man sport. Um, and if a girl back then did do musky fishing, you sure the hell didn't want to date her or go out with her. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, whoa. <laughs> was like, whoa. <laughs> She's just trying to get men at this point. <laughs> not, not even a fish in that private lake, Mike? What's that?
3: Not even to fish that private lake. <laughs> yeah. Right,
2: right, right. It's just far, farmer's
4: daughters must fishing. Yeah. It's a farmer daughter thing. Yeah. That right. But, uh, oh, no. that's funny. yeah. So that's how, but no, as far as the kids go, I never, even with my, I have 10 grandkids now. You oh, know, wow. I've always said this I'm not going to push you to do anything. If you want into my world, the door is always open. You know what I mean? And that's it. And I just, I just don't feel that I think they got to get into it because the passion is there. And if they see the passion, there's a difference between wanting something and being forced to do something. Yeah. And so Amy, out of my two daughters are the only ones uh, she doesn't hunt. Um,
6: I tried that and I cried every time I killed one. So I was like, yeah. I <laughs> yeah. but now my daughter, she hunts a lot with her dad. So a lot. yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So, I mean, it's just something I, you know, what I would recommend from people is, is that, you know, is just lead by example. And if they dig it, they'll follow, you know what I mean? If they don't, that's cool too. You know what I mean? So
0: yeah, what I've been trying to do is just trying to make make these things available to the kids. You know, make right. make the outdoors, make a lake, make a boat, make a, make a kayak available to them. And if they want to to use it, awesome. If not, you know, hey, right. You can't exactly. you can't force them. But it really is. It's 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 awesome to see when when kids do take a, a genuine interest in the things that their parents do. Uh, it's. I, and I, I'm kind of emotional right now. Cause just my dad, my dad built his own airplane. Okay. Oh, and yeah. he started it in 1995 and he actually just sold it today. And oh, wow. yeah. Oh my and I took my kids, took my three kids down to see it for the last time over the weekend, because he was going to, my dad's 76. And he wasn't sure that he wanted, he wanted to go through the whole medical process anymore. So it's, but you want to talk about something that's been a part of his life since, 1995 he built it from scratch like it was tough you know watching him say goodbye to say goodbye to something like that and it's not something that i i've never even flown in it because i've just never the air i'm just not an airplane guy i wish but i always wish i had like gotten into it so that i could have had that other bond with my dad and i i had other things i didn't have that thing yeah, yeah.
6: No. Well, it's kind of funny you say that too, because it's not the fishing that actually bonded Dad and I. It was the editing and the storytelling. So I'm more, um, more on the creative end. To where that's where like the business end of our relationship. I love musky fishing. Um, I've only ever gone musky fishing with Dad, and I've, I only go like once or twice a year. So it's not necessarily the fish that brought us together, or it wasn't the passion for the fishing that brought us together it was being able to tell a story together because we did that the very editing well. it's she the editing. went to
4: school for for marketing. marketing and and so she latched on to the business end of it and the creative end of it is um you know that's probably the part that her and i really like a lot because all the episodes that you see on Keys Outdoors since how long have you been 10
0: years?
6: Well, I've been with Mus- Musky Zinc for 10 years, so I want to say eight years. Eight he's... Yeah, I, I was going to say,
0: when you, you know, being what we would consider an OG in the uh, fishing and video game, you know, like an, an original, like, did you do the editing at the beginning? I did. How did you do it when you first started?
6: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
4: <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I had, I never went to school for no. any of it. And there was no tutorials. You know, YouTube wasn't anything. Right. Um, and I look back at some of those first episodes, and they're horrid. I mean, absolute horrid. Like, I was like, oh, my God. But for the, time, was... It was but for the time, it was good. But for the time, it was good. And I think I learned from everybody has this misconception that with fishing, that it's all about catch fish, catch fish, catch fish everybody's done that. I always looked at it as as the catching the fish. And when I break it down is really, I've never had a musky fight over a minute in my whole life, a minute. Think about that. So I just spent 14 hours for one minute for that glory of one minute. So how do you tell that story? It's that 14 hours to get to that one minute. That is the story. It's the grind. It's the emotion of the ups and downs. And I wanted to tell that story. I wanted to say, you know, and and I tell people this all the time and people say, well, you're in the fishing industry. Yes, I'm in the fishing industry and the muskie is my avenue. But really what I'm in is number one is I'm in the entertainment business. If I don't entertain you for half an hour, I'm gone. I'm a click away from being gone, so you know that's why I really focused on the storytelling, the the showing the highs and lows of being a musky fisherman or a person, and you know so that's that's really what I did. But I it was all self taught and trial and error. Um, you know it was crazy. I mean, my first computer to edit on was ten thousand dollars back then. Cameras, good cameras back then were a hundred grand. Wow. And your phone now shoots 10 times better video right. than they did. And so I had to buy used equipment, you know what I mean? And uh it was a nightmare, and things were on tape. So it was like you it was all tape. Yeah. So it was we it would was, have
6: to send the tape to the closed captioning, they would have to close caption it, send it to the network, and then you'd get a package back. after they aired the show.
4: Well they'd have to bump it to beta.
6: Oh to beta okay to
4: beta to run on their system. It was a process. It was I don't think that I, I I don't think that people really appreciate what we have now at our fingertips. Like just before I came over here, a show that I just finished, Amy always I I'm a terrible, uh, speller. I can't spell worth a crap. Okay. (laughs) So I always, before we send anything out, I send it to Amy and go, Hey, brush through this real quick, make sure everything's where we need it to be. Um, and then she, but before for me to do that, I'd have to put that on a disc and then send her a disc for it was just now it just boom, upload and you're done, you know? So, We've come a long way. If I was going to get into the TV end of things nowadays, it's so much easier because you have YouTube. Um, when I first heard of YouTube, I heard it through Brad uh, Brad Hoppy of Muskie Innovations. We were filming a show back in the day. And he's like, Mike, you got to hear this. There's this thing, it's called YouTube. And I was like, okay, what is it? And he goes, it's on the internet and you can load videos on it. And it can be watched throughout the whole world. And I was like, holy shit, really? So I was like, I got to check into this. Because at the time, it was Operation Desert Storm was going on. So I was sending boxes of DVDs of our shows over to Desert Storm to the soldiers. So that the Wisconsin, you know, Midwest soldier who had that. And I was sending it. And he was like, yeah, you got to check this out. Well, I checked it out. We had dial-up then. YouTube could only do 15 minutes of video. That's the biggest file they could handle, was 15 minutes. So I'd have to do show one, part one, show one, part two, and I'd upload them, and it would literally take me 30 hours to upload a show to YouTube back then. That's how new it was. So we, and I think at the time... We we're like the first fishing show ever to upload. I don't know of anybody that was doing it back then. It was so new. It was crazy. That's I was gotta really be invested in the stock in that company <laughs> back then. <laughs> that,
1: that's like uh you, you kind of think about this as like, I mean, you were kind of one of the the fishing pioneers from a media standpoint. You know, it's oh
0: for sure. Yeah. It's yeah,
1: it, it blows my mind because you know, like just today you know anybody can upload a video in in a matter of minutes like you were saying and it's just such a transition to think about all that effort and everything even what you said there about sending the videos overseas like that had to have taken so much time and effort to be able to put that stuff together it just it blows my weeks. mind
4: it would be weeks i would i would just burn dvds burn dvds had cases made up with the label put them in a box and ship them over um, to the regiments over on uh, Operation Desert Storm, and people greatly appreciated it. And it was our contribute, you know, us contributing, them being away from home. And I believe how the whole thing started was through a Muskie zinc chapter guy that was in the military uh, that got shipped over there, and then he's the one who suggested it of sending DVDs over there. And I think I was, I'd have to look, but I think I was sending it to him and then he would distribute it, you know what I mean, through the, through the ranks over there. So it was pretty cool, but yeah, it's come a long way. And, you know, in speaking of that, I mean, we did a lot of revolutionary stuff. I mean, back then there was some shows, some musky stuff going on. Mesa Comer had his stuff going on, which, you know, I mean, I got to be a hundred percent honest with you with that dude. That was incredible. I mean, that guy, that cameraman should go down in history as the greatest cameraman of all time because Bob wanted to get the actual bite. So every cast that dude would have to, and this was tape back then, he would have to film every cast, every cast. And so, and that's why Bob was pioneering a lot of really cool bites that's why he loved top water because it was such a visual effect for that media, um, and they did a, a hell of a job. I then sat there and said, I'm so broke, Jude. I, there's no way I can put a cameraman in the boat. I'm, I'm a one-man operation here. So then I bought cameras, and I started mounting them, which is now the infamous GoPro Skycam footage. We pioneered that when there was no GoPros. That was actual cameras. That were ran off of a 12 volt battery. And the last thing you wanted to hear was, let's make a move. Because it just took me 15 minutes to set everything up. And we'd run off a 12 volt battery because those cameras took so much power to run. And then it was tape. So if we got any action, we had to pull that tape and then put a new tape in and save that tape for edit and post.
1: It was was stupid. This This is insane
0: just you thinking think about that. Insane. Yeah.
1: Just people, cause people always
0: complain about how hard it is today to do the GoPros <laughs> and keep them charged. But imagine that 20 years ago, like, what my do you gosh. do
1: with the, what do you do with the tapes, Mike? You have to, you obviously have to label that stuff and like, oh have, so we have.
6: we have this huge thing and that's been on our bucket list for many years is to dub all that over. Cause we only have so many episodes from what dad has created in his 24 years on YouTube, we only have a few seasons because we have the rest on tape. And it is a huge undertaking oh. to even dub that over because to even dub that over it, if it's a 30 minute video, it's gonna take 30 minutes to dub, dub over. And so then we have to like, it, it's just, it's it's gonna be a huge process, but yeah, we have a majority. It's of over
4: 400 episodes yeah. that are on tape. Wow. That and you guys are nobody, good, kind and of- it was, these videos were only shown once yeah. on Fox. They never ran no reruns. So it was one shot. That's it. Boom. That was done. Never seen again. Unless you DVD'd it, you know, back then they did have,
6: yeah, you made DVDs back in the day. Yeah. yeah.
3: That was it. And you guys started recently in the last couple of years, dubbing those over to YouTube,
4: right? Putting those in like the archives. Slowly. Yes. It's going to be, we, you know, it's just such a massive undertaking. Um, You know, and and to be honest with you, I was looking at it the other day um, because it's in a back room and I was back there for something and I seen these boxes of just tapes, 2006, 2002, 2001, 26 shows a year back then of these tapes sitting there. And I was looking at them and I was like, oh, my God, when am I even going to think about tackling this? But this is the thing, too. I think there's a lot of pride on, I think a lot of it is me not doing it on purpose, subconsciously. And because I was thinking about this the other day, the quality of what we're shooting now on 4K and stuff, this will look like absolute garbage. Like your worst junk, uh, you know, back then the the TV format was four by three. You know what see, I, mean? I see
0: Amy. Amy shaking her head, saying no, and I agree <laughs> with her. I think, I think if you went back and watched that stuff, you'd be yeah. like, "Holy cow, this is just awesome!" The, I, I bet you would appreciate it being shot in the kind of old school way. That's just kind of my feeling about it. I think it. he
6: would appreciate the growth of what he, how he started, and where he is today, because he's one guy that isn't going to take like good he's never going to be at a good level. He's always going to challenge himself to be better. How can I do this differently? How can I incorporate a different angle? How can I incorporate just something new? So he's never just stale as a designer. And so I think he would take a lot of pride in knowing how much growth he's done over the last 24 years.
4: I mean, it's it's all up here, you know what I mean? So it plays in my head. I remember (laughs) those shoots, you know what I mean? You (laughs) don't, but I mean, I do, I remember those shoots. And it's funny because when you're an editor, it's almost like you editing the audio. You you come numb to it after a while. In other words, like come Saturday or whenever you you know air your show, you don't watch it. I don't watch it for the value of watching it. I watch to make sure that everything ran all good and everything was good. I never really just sit back and enjoy what I've done because I my hands are so on it the whole process from the filming to the editing to the the post-production everything that you just become numb to it and it's like you you know you know that I think uh, the craziest thing is and people don't realize this is I I use a lot of music a lot of music and I will use a song one time and it may be only one minute and if you played a song from 2002 and i listened to it i could tell you what episode that was in and it'll really? never be used again ever so all the music you hear i create only to be used for 30 seconds and never heard of again ever wait so you create the music yeah yep, yeah. yeah we do everything so wow yeah so it's all done through loops um, and the beauty of computers. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, yeah. So all the music you hear from Keys Outdoors as of probably, what, eight years yeah. ago was I produce it all myself. Wow. That's pretty cool. And then never use it again. That's the crazy thing about <laughs> it. Never use it again.
2: There was a, you know something that, you kind of touched on that just made me think I teach video and marketing and stuff. I'm a high school teacher and in something we always talk with the students. I mean, you talk about the storytelling and whatnot, but I mean, it's, it's just what a different beast it was back then, like the care that you have to put into it. Cause you said like you have film, you know, now I can go take a picture and I can take a hundred pictures, you know, with my family at Christmas and pick the one that was good. But I mean, right. back with like disposable film and, and whatnot, I mean, you, you really had to make that count. And I, yeah. I think you know, when you think about a lot of the stuff, especially fishing content on YouTube and whatnot, you know, it's like not that you could just put anything out there, because there are a lot of great storytellers too, but you can tell when someone had to go through that quality process because you you really had to pay attention and you really had to think about the details and you really had to make those shots count because you know it's not like you can just shoot endless film and and you know, cherry pick the good spots, right. I mean, you had to be really deliberate about it all. And I don't know, it's just, you know, my dad and I talk about that with photography too. I mean, just all of that stuff, those arts and that storytelling. Yeah. You were shooting
4: back on film. Yeah. You wanted to make sure your aperture and everything was set because you, you don't know what that's going to look like and you can't reproduce that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, you're going to take that picture. It's that one picture and you're going to hope that on the out end, that it's going to come out the way you want it. If yeah. not, how do you reenact that whole thing? Well, yeah, yeah and,
2: and with fishing, that's a you know, especially a muskie, It's not like you can just go out and like, hey, we'll just get another one and <laughs> have it go do flips out of the water and be
4: crazy. I mean, right? It's, you know that you can't remake that moment. No, no, you can't. You can't. So yeah, it's been it's been interesting. I mean, it's uh, but that's probably the the most favorite part of what I do and what Amy and I do is when we get all this footage from these shoots, it's putting it all together and now telling the story. It's okay. Day one, what happened? The highs, the lows. The... And that was another thing, too, that bothered me, you know, because there was, there was musky shows back in the day. There wasn't many. There was fishing shows. But one thing that I noticed is, is that nobody ever showed their failures. Like no one wanted to look bad. And I was like, no, dude, I stunk today. I'm going to show that. You know what I mean? Because that's the reality. You you would watch some of these shows back in the day, and you'd sit there and go, God, that guy went out one day and got seven fish. But behind the scenes, it was no. They were on that shoot for a week wearing the same clothes every day to make it look like they got it all in. And and how I know this to be true is one of my sponsors – I was out with, and it was day two of our shoot. It was 90 degrees out, hot, bluebird. And he showed up the next day wearing the same shirt. And we were supposed to be there for like a week. And I looked at him and I was like, dude, you only brought one shirt with you? And he's like, no, I, I got all kinds of shirts. But I was told on the last shoot I was on that I had to wear the same clothes every day to make it look like we caught all those fish in one day. And I said, no, I'm going to be fishing next to you for the next couple of days. You stink really bad right now. You need to go change, dude. Um, and he was like, "He was like, oh, my God, are you for real? And I said, yeah, I'm for real. Well, wonder if we don't catch no fish? I said, then we tell people we didn't catch no fish that day. That's the reality of it, man. So, And I think that's what separated Keys Outdoors. And I think that's been a huge blessing to Keys Outdoors because I hear it a lot is people, I think the most thing that I hear the most is you kept it real because it is real. I, I wish I was that good. Trust me. I wish I was that good to go out and go apps seven fish. I'm done. I'm done for the week. And I'm just not. And I like, think
0: that's kind of a feeling that, that you know, beginners get when they watch all this YouTube stuff is like, oh man, it's so overwhelming. You know, look, you got to have this giant boat. You got to, you know, you got to have all these equipment and, and, and these guys make it look so easy. Like if you do all these things, you're just going to go out there and magically catch all these muskies. And it's like, even with everything you can have as the, (laughs) it's still difficult to make that thing happen, make it happen, especially when you got a cameras rolling.
4: And when you don't have cameras rolling, it is, I don't care what anybody says, man. It's, it's one of the hardest and I'll never forget this. I was at dinner and, uh, Larry Dahlberg and I were talking at dinner one time and I asked Larry, what was the toughest fish that he's ever fished? And without hesitation, I mean, this guy has fished all over the world for every, species of fish you can think of. And he said to me, without hesitation, he said, the muskie. And I said, you're kidding me. And he goes, no, Mike. He said, there's fish that are harder to find, but once you find them, they're easy to catch. The muskie has just got an attitude. It just, it, you can see one sitting there and throw at it all day. If it's not going to go, it's not going to go. And he said, so that was impressive. And and i have never lost sight of that, is, is that it, it, it is a tough sport. And with new people coming in, I didn't want to give that impression that we're so good at this that we can just at will catch these fish. Because if anybody tells you that, they're just outright lying to you. It's a tough sport. It's one of the tough, and I think that's I think that's what separates me from not being a bass fisherman. I would get bored. You know what I mean? I mean, seriously, and I'm not yeah. saying that I don't want to bash on bass guys at all. You know, I mean, God created fish so everybody could catch fish. But I mean... Uh, They created the
6: (laughs) I have never seen so. I've been in the boat with dad many times in wind, rain, good weather, bad weather. He gets mad if the wind is blowing too hard, right? But I've never seen him get more mad when we were perch fishing up in Minnesota. (laughs) We went for an entire week at Leech Lake. He's like, We're going to catch your muskie. And we decided to do some perch fishing. he, He lasted. Two casts. And he's like, I'm done. I can't do this. I can't do this. I just can't. It do It was this. so boring. I
4: couldn't do it. It was like, what? A,
6: and I'm sitting. You got to just... do
4: something with this lure. What do you do? You just put it on the bottom? Are yeah. you kidding me? All right, okay. I could see drinking a beer or something, but I was like, no, I can't do this. She looked at me. I said, I picked up my musky rod. And I started bombing casts for musky. Well, there's there are obvious
0: reasons why musky makes for good television. Because, yes. you know, uh, it's very exciting. Uh, but like you said, there's a, a lot of downtime. I mean, w- when you switch, made the switch from hunting to, fi- to to making fishing or like we're making that switch, you, d- you did spend some time
4: doing multi-species stuff, right? I did. I did. So, yeah, man, I get distracted very easy. Sorry about no. that. I, no, 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 not no. at all. I love so this. What no. it was is I met Steve Jensen and Eric on my first musky thing. I wasn't even fishing. All I was doing was running camera. Oh, okay. Deer Lake in Wisconsin. It was the first time I've ever been out for muskie. I'm running the camera. Steve has about a 38-incher come in and goes around 10 times on a figure eight. I was like, behind the camera. I was like, my heart was racing. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like the coolest thing I've ever seen. This fish is actually chasing that lure around. And then he ended up sticking it. That was it. I, I was instantly hooked from that point on because it did something for me that I could only get from shooting a big deer. And that was my heart pumping. That's the correlation. Plus, I liked it because as we were talking before about that the hunting sport becoming a money thing, what was super cool about it was is that it was public water. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care if you show, like we just said, the $80,000 boat, or you show up in a rowboat. At the end of the day, everybody's on an even playing field. Everybody. You can't buy that water. You can't manage that lake. You can't do that. You can't grow the next world record. And that, I think, is what kind of got me into that because it was something that I thought deer hunting was. is is that a hunter had to be a hunter. The only way you were going to get a Boone and Crockett buck is if you hunted your ass off to get that opportunity, put yourself in that position to get that buck. But then it became, no, all I got to do is just grow that buck. And I can put an arrow in them any day. You can't do that in the world of musky fishing. And that's, I think, why I gravitated into that, because it couldn't be owned by anybody. It couldn't be controlled. By anybody. And that was the appeal,
1: if that makes sense. That makes a tremendous amount of sense to me. And I wanted to just go back for a split second because you were talking about the realness of musky fishing. And I can tell you the reason I ended up watching one of your videos is because I had a few guys at our Muskies Inc. Club tell me go check out Keys Outdoors. That's going to be the absolute realest media you can watch about musky fishing. So everything you said there hit home for me because that's how I initially found your videos. And I know a lot of us, that's similar things, you know, looking for that real content and it, not just the story stuff, but the fact that you're so real and you just talk about these things as a normal fisherman, it, it really, like Mike, you did a really good job with that stuff. and And that's, I think, I think that's really important for guys to understand that.
0: I'll go well, ahead and say it. That. You don't come off as overly preachy or teachy, either. No, and, you don't want
4: me teaching you nothing. And, well, you <laughs> see, that's the thing. You'll I probably, feel like you're I've, either going to end up. You're either going to end up in jail or divorce. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like
0: everyone that I shouldn't say everyone shouldn't paint with such a broad brush, but you know, today's YouTube generation. You know, it's it's like if they catch some fish and it's on video, all of a sudden they can teach everybody how to fish for muskies. And it's like, dude, like, no, like we're, I'm not tuning into some jokers YouTube channel to, to learn about muskies, to be perfectly honest. I'm going to, I'm going to follow a guy like you. I'm going to follow some of the other, you know, more credible, you know, fisher, but there's so many YouTubers out there that just want to teach you. And they just want to, you know, show you how good they are. And it's like, come on, man, that's, that's really not what, what I'm, I'm into at all.
5: But I mean, I think that's what was so I mean, at least for me, like that that's what was so awesome about Keys Outdoors. And like when I watched it, because it wasn't it wasn't like he was standing in front of a diagram or anything like that. But like at the same time, you know, it, the, the story, like Mike said, it was like you went along for the ride and you learned through failures just as much as successes it wasn't Mike just like sitting there saying oh you do X and O and you're gonna catch musky but there was I felt like I, I mean this might sound weird and I'm gonna I, I don't want to start getting creeped out Mike but I, like it was almost like you know I, I feel like Mike Keys was a mentor to me in musky fishing and this is the first time I've ever exchanged words with him in my life but it was like watching everything that he did watching how he attacked water you know just just watching him fishing watching him cast watching him you know work a figure eight all of that stuff i learned it just just you know without him trying to teach it i guess at least yeah. it didn't come off that way
4: well, and that's and what that's, i loved about it well and i appreciate that i do and i think it's because of the way that i learn as well if you try to diagram me or you know, do this or that, I'm, I'm a visual guy. you got to show me how to do it. Um, otherwise if I got to read it out of a book or, or, you know, a manual, uh, you don't want me putting that table together for you (laughs) if I got to do that, you know? Um, but I think that's what it was. And, you know, I get weirded out, um, to this day. Um, because people come up to me and, and I understand that I've been a part of their life all these years and I totally, totally get it and dig it and to be part of that. But I also feel that sometimes like, like, dude, I'm just a musky guy. My feet stink. You don't want to smell them right now. You know (laughs) what I mean? I like cheese and I like drinking beer and I'm not a lead guitar player for Van Halen. I wish I was, but I'm not. I'm just a simple dude that loves to fish. I love to videotape and, you know, are there, there, there's so many guys, you know, and I feel like I, I turn down Amy, a lot of speaking engagements. And the reason why I turn them down is because it's like, what can I say that hasn't been said a million times already? How many times can we talk about throwing bucktails at a deep weed edge? You know what I mean? And to me, it just becomes, and not only that, I get up there and I look in the crowd and I see some of these guys that I know that are like, dude, that guy kicks my ass when it comes to musky fishing. You know what I mean? So how can I put myself on that pedestal when I don't think that I need to be, I'm not there at that pedestal of them. I think that the only pedestal I can put myself on is on the video end of things Because that's the only thing i do different. You know what I mean? Is I videotape everything. But man, there's so many good, good guides and good fishermen. I got, I got buddies that will kick my ass any day of the week. And I'm okay with that. And I think that's what separates a lot of people. People have big egos. I'm not. When we're filming, we never get jealous of who caught the fish in the boat. Our whole objective of the team is at least... Somebody catch a fish, that's what we're here for. So, whoever catches it, it doesn't matter, you know what I mean. We accomplished our goal that was to get a fish on film. Period. No matter who caught it, there's never any jealousy. Um, and if there is, that person's no longer with us they don't because they don't last long because that's not what it is. It, it's a team effort, and we tackle it that way. Going in, our objective isn't I'm going to outfish my partner. My objective is, is we're going to fish as a team to accomplish our goal of catching muskie on film. And that's what it is. And I'm cool with that. I don't want it any other way because once the egos come in, man, I'm done. I I don't want to deal with it. You know what I mean? I just, I'd rather go do something else. I can't
3: agree with you more on that, Mike. And that's, that's, we've talked about that on the podcast too, about, the partners that you're fishing with and having that ego, somebody just jumps on your boat. All they want to do is catch. They don't care about the tactics or anything. It was working as a team. Somebody's throwing something different in the front. You're always putting, Hey, whoever newest to the sport up in front, give them the best opportunity at things. So there's too many people that run the boat and they're more worried about themselves catching the fish.
4: They are, they are. And I just, I, it, that doesn't do well with me at all. And, uh, And, and I've got a bunch of great guys that I've worked with over, over my career that we've all had that same philosophy and we're happy. Uh, I mean, happy. And here's a good example. This year we were filming up on Leech Lake and uh, Schaefer, Brian Schaefer has never caught a 50 inch fish in Minnesota. And not that he fishes it a lot, but he never did. I just landed a, a, 49 and I could tell because we're buddies I could tell that he he wasn't jealous I could tell that he was like what do I got to do to catch a 50 inch and I took my lure off and I said dude you know guys that's that's that can be two ways when a guy handles hands you his lure that's either I ain't taking you I'm too proud to take your lure or this dude loves me enough to want me to catch a fish. And I put it on and forecast later, he got a 54 or 53 and a a quarter. So, and I was so happy for him because he now did his PB for the state of uh, Minnesota. And I was part of that and we got it all on film and he was so happy and I was happy But I know that if I was in that same scenario and I was struggling in Jones and for a fish, Brian would hand me his lure that he's been having luck with and saying, here, dude, you need to throw this. And that to me is, is the people I work with. Really cool dudes.
0: All right. I think we would all be remiss if someone didn't ask the question, what was this lure? (laughs)
4: it was uh it was actually funny because we were fishing with uh matt uh, seaford and we were struggling and i have a tendency they call it luck or whatever of grabbing really weird baits that no one wants to throw and people go what so i pulled out the magnum shallow invader and matt looked at me and he goes what are you going to do with that and I said, I'm going to catch a monster fish you just watch. And it was probably about 15, 20 casts later, I got a 49-incher on it. Well, then it was hilarious because then it was like, you got any more of those? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So it was, uh, yeah. So that was the bait. It was a Magnum Shallow Invader, which an absolute underutilized bait in the world of musky fishing. It's amazing what you can do with that bait. We ended up catching that episode, five fish. Six fish, no, five fish. It was a uh, 43 and a quarter, a 49, a 50, 248 and a half. No, I think wow.
6: there's six fish. Or six you, fish, I yeah. let put that together.
4: It's yeah, two parter. Yeah, Is that gonna that's gonna air this year? Yep. That's gonna air, yeah, pretty quick.
6: Seven and eight or eight and nine.
4: Yeah, episode. Remember. It's a two parter. Mm-hmm. So, and it was cool too because uh, a really good friend of ours bought a uh, resort up in Minnesota, Agency Bay, and uh, he's a big-time muskie nut, and we all know the history of Minnesota, man. It was like the pinnacle of muskie fishing, and then it kind of, boom, you know what I mean? And And there's great fishing up there to this day, and it just isn't getting the love that it deserves, and when we had a chance to fish out of his resort, because he wants to establish it as a musky destination again, we are more than happy to help him out and go because we love Leech Lake. It's just, it's a great lake, you know. And uh, and more importantly, he's he's got a family and he's trying to support his family and build a, build a really cool thing there. And you know, it's good to be a part of that. And if I can help out, I definitely will, will help out, you know.
1: That's super cool. Can you, I, I have, I got a question about this, like establishing relationships cause you've been doing this a long time, Mike, like what, what does it mean for you to be able to establish relationships with these type of people you said that you work with, you know, these guys that, that have been doing this with you, you know, the good guys in the industry, like what does that mean for you to have good people around you? Not just for the the video aspect, but friendships and, and things like that that you've made over the years.
4: I don't know. I I think that you get to a point in your life, you know what I mean, where you look at new people coming in, you're very skeptical, you know what I mean? Like, okay, if I didn't have this show, would this dude be my friend? Um, I think that's my biggest thing is I know I'm a really good judge of character. I can be with somebody for a very short period of time and I can say, hey, that dude's a good, good dude or you know what I mean and so I'm a little bit more guarded um with my relationships um you know everybody wants to make a name for themselves everybody wants to you know and I in in the past I got burned by that Mm -hmm. you know what I mean I I helped create some people um and I and I use that loosely you know what I mean but my videos with them help them establish who they are in the industry. And then when they got to certain levels, they just kind of, I don't have time for you no more, you know what I mean. And so you get a little more guarded with it, but I, you know, listen, I, I always tell people this, if you really want to get to know somebody, there's two ultimate ways of getting to know that person. One, you're either incarcerated with them because you're in an eight by nine cell all day long with that dude. So you better get along with them or you're musky fishing and you just can't walk away. <laughs> Although I did take one guy back to the dock and said, get the hell out of my boat. There's a,
0: there's a fine line between those two.
2: Incarceration
4: it, it, yeah, and musky there fishing. Is. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. I've, I've been on six-day musky trips that felt like incarcerations, that's for sure. Well, there,
4: there you go, you know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, the, and it's really because when you're sitting there for 14 hours with someone, you're, you're talking. Uh, here's a prime example. I'm editing last night, and I we, we call it Big Brother. We have so many cameras running all the time that every conversation is picked up. Dude, I could blackmail so many people. (laughs) So I call up a buddy I'm with and I says, hey, you're talking about something. I don't know if you want me to
6: use this.
4: this. It's not bad, but, you know, it could be taken the wrong way if you don't Mm -hmm. know all the... And he was like, "Oh, dude, you gotta, you gotta take that out of there. You gotta take that out of there." And I was like, "Okay, I, I'll take it out." I said, "When can I expect the check?" Yeah, <laughs> laughing, you know. But I mean, it's like it's crazy. I mean,
6: oh, it's funny when I'm editing, and then all of a sudden, Dad will be like, "Hey, Amy's watching. Be quiet," you know. Because
4: I, don't want to, I know. never had to worry about <laughs> that. Watch your mouth. I yeah. was now <laughs> my daughters there. And I'm like. Hey guys, come on, man! <laughs> we should not be talking about this right now. Amy, <laughs> forgive us. <you> know. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, you're a little more mindful of it now, that's for sure. But uh, it's it's all good, man. It's it's all good. It's uh, yeah, I, and that's how I get to meet people. You know what I mean? And I don't know, man. I just have a weird. I get weird vibes from people to where it's like I'm helping this young kid out who. He's, you know, he's doing amazing things on on YouTube and, you know, we were talking before about this kid that he started his own YouTube channel and I'm trying to help him get established. I, I told him how to get sponsors, how to, you know, how to put a show together. He's doing a really good job. But what's cool about it is, is he's catching all of these fish on shore. So it's no boat. It's it's called shoreland shore Anglers, yeah, yeah. Oh, was cool. that, that one? The Last season you had him. Yes. On yep. Bumbling, yep. Right. The
6: one yep. that doesn't wear shoes.
4: Yeah. He's he's like a he's <laughs> a like hippie? a younger version of a hippie. He's like you know he's like he's a cool dude. And and what I liked about it is is that the guy is die diehard. He reminds me of me as a very young man, just always wanting to be out there. And you know now he's just gonna hone his craft a little more into the production end of it. And, um, he should, he should do well with it. I think that he's very good on camera. Um, you know, and, uh, he gets his point across and he's a really good stick. And, uh, I think that there's definitely an audience for that.
0: So I, you just mentioned something, you you're, you know, you kind of help people and how they get sponsors and things like that. I mean, we mentioned a little bit off the air that the musky fishing world is different than let's say the bass world or even the walleye world and that there we don't have big big companies that have come in and taken over the the musky world um i mentioned that you know it's not super easy to make a living in the musky world because of that reason it's a niche industry like how have you gone about being able to establish with sponsors and i'm not asking like how to you know get sponsors but like in your experience you know what was the experience like trying to say hey listen i can provide a value to you as a as a brand in this area you know sure. and you know in in because not only is musky fishing niche in in you know nationally but just geographically you're you're right you're yeah. automatically limited to a, a, a smaller area so just a little, little mindset idea of your mindset and like how you said the company is like, listen,
4: I'm, I'm a value to you. I guess, you know, um, I think what it is, is exactly what you said. It is a niche market and it is a very, um, a very lucrative market because being a musky angler, you got to have some money. I mean, the rods, the reels, you know, it's, it's, it ain't it's, cheap, it's yeah. like golf, you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. and So here's a good example is in one of the things that I've done and I realized the the musky market is so small that if you go after just the fishing industry, think about it. You're Rapala, let's say. How many phone calls do you get a day from influencers, YouTubers, television shows, all wanting your brand, right? Right. But you're Jack Daniels. When was the last time you had a fisherman come to you and say, hey. Well, I did. That's what I got. Great clips. I got Jack Daniels. I had Jack Daniels for 12 years. I had state farm mm-hmm. insurance for nine years. I had um uh, uh, great clips. I still have mm-hmm. for seven, 18 years. Now I went after companies, bigger corporations outside the fishing industry. So they're not being bombarded with all of this fishing stuff. That's really yeah. interesting because I was just watching a clip, that, one of your videos, one of the newest
0: videos, and I'm like, he's sponsored by Great Clips. That's, yes. Yeah. That's, and I, I guess it never
4: really connected. Like, yeah, that, Which, that makes sense of, to go for something outside of the, the well, industry. Well, that's it. And it's thinking outside the box. And when you go to the well and everybody's drinking out of that well, well, guess what? There's just not enough water to go around. So what I did is I was the first one to go outside the box, if you will. And uh, the first big account that I got was state farm insurance and they were out of Illinois, they're corporate. And I drove down there, put a media kit together, put it to them, found out who the contact was and started talking with that person. And uh, did you you get to film an episode with Jake from state farm? uh, No, but he was there (laughs) when I had him. No, this was before Jake at state farm actually. But so with Jack Daniels, What happened was, is I found out who the buyer was, and for that brand, and every Monday at nine o'clock, I called him, and he never answered for a year, a whole year. And finally, one Monday, I called, nine o'clock sharp, I called up, and he answered the phone, and that started our relationship. When I, he never wanted to fish, he was not a fisherman, he was a hunter, So I would take him on some hunts. Him and I would go on some hunts because I was still into the hunting thing at that time. And uh, I'd take him on hunts. And one day at dinner, I said to him, I said, Butch, I said, why me? Why? I mean, Jack Daniels, that's a, it doesn't get any bigger than that. And I said, why me? And he said, you know, Mike, he goes, for one year, every Monday, that freaking phone would ring. And I was like, "This, what does this guy not understand? I'm not answering him. I'm not calling him back. He said, that day you called, I picked up the phone and I was going to ream you a new you-know-what, not to bother me anymore. And he said, when I picked up the phone, he goes, I thought, this is exactly the guy I want working for me, a guy who never quits, never quits. And that started a 12-year relationship, which was Unbelievable. I mean, I got to meet, I get to eat dinner and hang out with Chris Angel. And, you know, I got into that upper marketing group of Jack Daniels. Uh, I had Miller Brewing, same thing. I had them for, I think, eight, nine years. And it was thinking out of the box and saying, well, listen, you know, we look at it going, well, it's such a small market. Okay. But still, our market likes to drink beer our market likes to get haircuts. You know what I mean? We, you know, these, these companies aren't hit by that. The fishing industry is hit by the fishing industry. The golf industry is hit by the golf people. You know what I mean? You got to think outside the box and then you got to you. And at that time we had a great value. I mean, we were on Fox, you know what I mean? So it was all about eyeballs too. And then I signed a deal with, uh, destination America, which was, uh, national geographic owns that. And they flew me out East and I, you know, and they wanted that show. They were looking for, uh, a a fish with teeth, you know what I mean? And then I signed with them and then our, it just shot up from there. I'll, I'll never forget. I was fishing on the Bay of green Bay and, uh, the Packers, the stadium is, is right there. And, 45 minutes prior to kickoff they have the jets that do the flyby when they kick off the thing and the jets were circling and I that day got my ratings for Destination America and it was 250,000 people were tuning in to watch Keys Outdoors nationally now I don't know if our support is that big so we were getting an audience and again I don't know how legit these numbers were but it was the numbers they gave me and right when I was driving home from that shoot they announced that they had 89,000 people at the game and I was like oh my god I'm filling four freaking stadiums of people tuning in every week to watch and then it hit me It, it, it hit me very profoundly because I never put it into that it never resonated with me on the number of people that were that we were touching. And it, it, it got, we eventually got out of that market because it was so expensive to do it. I have to buy airtime and it was so expensive and um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I think that's when it hit me is, is that how many people were watching and it was like, Oh my God, I, you know, I would have been happy back in the day if eight people were watching. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Let yeah. alone filling four Packers stadiums.
2: This this makes me feel good. I was fishing with our buddy Jake in front of the Heinz Field with the Steelers Packers this year, and a couple guys waved to us from the bridge. You know, it wasn't a couple hundred thousand, but it felt good. <laughs> it. I mean, <laughs> feel like we're in good company now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I thought you were going to say you were watching the Packers and the Steelers play. And it was like, well, if those guys acknowledge you that you were musky fishing, they were probably from Goodyear blimp was up there and we figured yeah. this, is,
2: this was our game. You know, if there's a musky fisherman out there, they're going to be tuning in to you know, Steelers it Green Bay. Right
4: now, buddy, stick one right now. That's, that's Yeah, we tried our hardest. <laughs> Yeah. So it was, it was kind of nuts. I mean, it, again, it it's sometimes it's over, it's overwhelming. It's, you know, you people come up to you all the time. My wife hates going out with me, you know, especially <laughs> locally because everybody knows us and she, she does get, mom gets a little upset because people come in and, you know. <laughs> talk muskie fishing, you know, while we're trying to eat our dinner. Well,
6: it's funny, too, even at Family Functions, mom has to tell us, enough business talk, guys. Stop talking business. We're here with the family <laughs> because right. it's just yeah. kind of what we do.
4: It's what we do.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, now mm-hmm. the f- it is the family business, yeah. so hey. It is.
6: It and, is. you know, it's kind of cool, too. So through this, um, through Keys Outdoors, through Muskies, Inc., um, I actually closed caption a couple other fishing TV shows through this. So, like, I, you know, on top of editing, I do that. Well, I got too busy and so I brought my niece into it. So now she helps me with some of the stuff. So, you know, she's kind of slowly getting into the business with us as well. So it's kind of fun. And my sister too, she helps us with our network now. So it's kind of building its own little, it's building a little bit of time.
4: It is. So. It, it's been awesome. Yeah. But no, other than that, that's it, man. It's, <laughs> so uh, one of the things I
0: wanted to talk about is... I know you had done some episodes in the past where you slept on a tent in, on your boat in a tent. Like, is that something that you do that like you? How, how how much did you do that? Or how often do you do that? Uh Quite a bit,
4: you know. Yeah. Yeah. When you're in the musky world, there's not a lot of money to go around. So you got to sleep somewhere. Yeah. I, I used to sleep on park benches, but that got me in trouble. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, I do it. This is the reason why I do it. it, it again, it's something different. To if I sleep on my boat, it's because I don't want to sit there. Some of the spots I go to are so remote that I'm going to have an hour, a half an hour, 45 minute drive to get to a motel and then get, you're not going to get the sleep you need. So I would rather just pull into some bay, pitch a tent on my boat and sleep and get up first thing in the morning and not waste all that time. Because we all know that last light and first light can be huge. And I want to be on the water at first light. I want to get on my spot. Um, And I just, I've always been a camper. You know what I mean? I've always been, um, you know, I've always been an adventurous type of dude. I've always, I hitchhiked to Alaska when I was 20 something years old and spent summers in the bush in the bush in Alaska so I am more comfortable in a sleeping bag than I am anywhere else so and it was weird the other night I was outside and I was like it's cold it's we got snow on the ground and I was like you know I haven't winter camped in a long time (laughs) and I literally was going to go grab the tent from in the basement throw it on our back deck and sleep (laughs) in the tent that night because I miss it I it's something about it, you know what I mean? It, it's just all part of it. It's, it's just I feel good. I sleep good on a boat, you know. I or in the woods. I just yeah feel natural doing it. I always thought that's cool, man. I uh, really cool. It's fun, it, it, and and I enjoy it. And um, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, do I like staying at a, a lodge or something like that? I we turned on, I turned down quite a bit of lodge stuff because Mm -hmm. I feel committed then that I have to promote that and me I would rather just uh, this year sucked because we had such a drought going on in the upper midwest that the rivers were just super low so we did very little river fishing at all so again most that stuff is on on the fishing trip on rivers that I do and a good story on that is about It was years ago, I was on a four-day film trip by myself on a river in Wisconsin, and for four days, I caught nothing. And I raised a couple fish, but didn't put anything on film. And when I was coming back from that shoot, Ben Olson called me up, and he's like, hey, dude, how'd it go? And I said, Ben, I said, I had one nice fish up, didn't catch a fish. He goes, oh, man, that's four days of lost productivity. And I said, no. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, I'm going to air it. He goes, you're going to be the first muskie show to do an episode with no muskies in it. And I said, exactly. And that show took off. It was unbelievable because it was the struggle where you just don't go out and catch them like that. And it was four days of me grinding and it didn't, I didn't succeed, but it, to me, it wasn't a failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I got, to sleep outdoors. I got to float a river. I never floated before. I was jacked, you know, fishing was just part of it, you know, it was the whole adventure thing. And that's, that's the part I dig.
3: Yeah. Not being scared of failure either. That's no. a huge thing. No. And I think that, that's something in the muskie industry that everybody's chasing the bite and they're, they just want to catch fish. They're not going for the experience.
4: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, you know, it's like, I and I can't, you know, I have a lot of people that I work with over the years that want me to come out and fish with them. Uh, you know, we fish this year with Spencer uh, Berman. And Spencer was like, for years, Mike, you got to get back out here. Got to get back out here. And I was like, dude, been there, done that. I don't want to do the Sinclair thing. You know what I mean? I've done it. And I I would rather go fish some hidden lake that no one's fished or it's off the beaten path, Mm -hmm. then I would go there. Yeah, you got shot at big fish. I did it this year because I did, it was like a five-year period that I didn't shoot with Spencer out there. And don't get me wrong. I love Spencer to death. Him and I are great friends. And I was just like, Spencer, it's like the music thing. I'm going to use it one time and that's it. You know what I mean? I'm going to go there. And if I do go back, it's gonna be at least three to four years before I go back. Could I, I go I think, with-
0: it, and- I, I think unfortunately St. Clair, you know, it gets oversaturated in and of itself because it's it's on YouTube and you immediately recognize that water and so much of it is open water fishing. And so these videos are just people casting at nothing. And it's, it's not really must-see
4: TV. It's just, it's it's just exactly. not. It, it, you're 100% right. And I, Spencer realized that after a while. It was like, dude, we're in a visual perception here. We, you got to, you know, one minute of a person talking in video is an eternity. I tell Amy that all the time. Everything's got to be moving. You're, you're stimulating not only the, the, the audio, but the visual as well. And it is a stimulation and you have to keep things moving. Um, and it is hard. It's, it's, I could catch so many fish at nighttime, but you want to talk about boring video. Yeah, It's, you know what I am caught up lights go on, boom, there it is. You know what I mean? I'll do it. To do it every once in a while, like every couple of years to show people that, yes, night fishing can be very productive. And if you are going to do it, this is what we do. It's not this is what you should do. It's what this is how we go about doing it. It may not work for you, but it works for us. This is how we do it. But, yes, I totally agree that you have to. Part of the story is that visual conception of where you're at, who you're with what's going on and all plays into it. Huge
6: one. I think a lot of the struggle too, is we're so used to TV. We have to time out at a certain time. We have to make content for 28 minutes and 30 seconds. So that means we need to fill that spot. And a lot of these YouTubers are like, okay, I'll put out a 12 minute, 37 second show. All right. We're good. They don't have any time constraints to where if they do just catch one fish, they can just catch (laughs) one fish and show one fish. Whereas it's like we always think about the back end of the post-production of how are we going to fill this for 28 minutes and 30 seconds. So, yes. like, if you do have a still shot and you're in open water, how do you change up that B-roll? You can only show the sky so many times. You can only show the four different guys in the boat so many times. And
4: it's a challenge. Know, it's a and challenge. I'm, I'm, We're dealing with it right now. In fact, um, doing the two-parter that we did with Spencer because we ended up with seven fish and, um, But again, um, there, what saved me on that shoot was the weather. We had front after front after front coming in. So I could play off of, we got to pull now. We've got to do this. We've got to, now the wind is, so you can play off of that, which it flowed really good. Um, But yes, you've got to have that visual. It's so important, really important.
5: I do just want to interject here real quick and say, uh, I don't know what year or what season it would have been from, Mike. I'm sure you do, but there's, excuse me, there's an older video of yours where you're at St. Clair with Spencer and I think Dave Brown and Brad Rue and uh, you guys catch, they catch a number of fish over like three or four days you're there uh, and some big fish too, but you don't catch one until the very end and then you stick a giant, on a pounder, uh, I I believe. And I I just, I want to tell you that that is probably my all-time favorite Keys Outdoors video for so many reasons. I bet you I've watched that video 25 times. (laughs) That's not even a joke. Uh, When I used to work shifts at at the uh, plant, at the drywall plant, uh, I'd be on night shift, and I spent more hours than I should have watching Keys Outdoors on YouTube. (laughs) Uh, On the night shift, but uh, but yeah, the, the that fish I remember it like barrel rolls at the end, and and you almost lose it, and they put it in the net, and you pull this giant out, and I had never been to St. Clair, I had never even really seen St. Clair before that video, and I just remember thinking like this is the you know that is like the most incredible epic musky footage I've ever seen, and it made me want to go there so badly.
6: Nice. Did you end up going? <laughs> it, it,
5: Yes, I have been there now twice, uh and I I didn't catch a fish like that, but I've caught a couple of nice fish there both times. and uh, yeah, it, it's just like that that whole episode though and and the way you stuck with it and like you know, again, we talk about the story and the failures and stuff. like I remember you saying, I think starting that last day, <clears throat> you say something on the video like you know, everyone stuck one, but me. Uh, but I've been here before. I know I'm going to get a big one, and then then it happens. And I don't know if that's camera magic or if that's really how it played out. But either no, way, no, yeah, it was.
4: <laughs> no, it, it, it... was. Uh, I was feeling pretty bummed. <clears throat> uh, you know what I mean? It was like I was. I was. You know. I was just not succeeding. I wasn't moving fish. I wasn't. You know what I mean? But I think it did, no, and it wasn't. I mean the the emotions in that that show that was my first 50 pound fish that i ever caught and that thing was unbelievable and there's a backstory to it that that was supposed to be dave brown's fish but dave was getting shitty sleeps at night and his back was hurting from the bed um and so he chose to sit down early and he looked at me and said, hey, if you want to take over now, because we had four people in the boat, we could only fish three at a time. The other guy sat on the camera ready to go. And so he looked at me and he's like, my, my back, I just can't take it. And he said, Are you, you want up? And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll take over. Next cast, I caught that fish. He was just, oh, wow. next cast. <laughs> he was just like, oh, my God. I mean, he was so happy for me, but it was like literally – I he sat down, I got up, threw that dog out, and hooked up. If he would have taken one more cast, would he have got that fish? I don't know,
0: but did, you know, did, did you, you even
4: switch baits? Was that the same bait he had been throwing? No, it was a different bait. Okay. I had my rod set up, you know, it was a Twinkie, uh pounder Twinkie, uh, and on that, but yeah, no, that the the, the, the emotions on that was 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 unbelievable i mean i watch that video to this day and it brings back the feeling the emotion that i had with that because it was such a grind and uh there was so many chances to lose that fish i I was wearing mittens for god's sakes i couldn't push the button to engage to let the drag out you know what i mean and it was like there's so many ways that thing could have went sideways and it didn't so it was definitely meant to be, and Dave was Johnny on the spot with the camera. Did a great job of filming. I mean, there's total chaos going on. You guys know that when you hook up, it's people are scurrying. You know, putting rods, reeling rods up. You know, I mean, it was just total chaos. Um, but it was cool. It was a, it was a great, um, that was a great, great shoot. Uh, a really good, good memory for sure. And it was, it was like the third time I was out there. The first time I was out there, um, Spencer and I fished four days out there. And the, You know, I always give credit where credit's due. And Spencer pretty much pioneered that casting bite out there. St. Clair up until that point was known as a trolling body of water. That's how it was perceived. That's what the locals did. Here comes this dude from the Midwest. He starts, them fish have never seen a pole paws bait in their life. You know what I mean? And here this dude's out ripping pounders and giving that action that they've never seen. Him and I went out there. He just established his guide business out there. And in four days, him and I boated 49 fish. Wow. Between two of us. Wow. In in four days, and it was like, I looked at him when we got done with that. And I said, dude, you are on something. I, I thank God was in the golden age of Malax when that was crazy. When 50 inch fish were being put in the net that up until that point, nobody, you know, to get a 50 inch fish was like unheard of. And then they started falling. And that was because of the cowgirl. That was because of Musky Mayhem. They'd never seen those big blades before. And, uh, but I was part of that. And I, I was there. And some of my buddies, like Schaefer, was just coming in at the tail end of that. But it was absolute stupid. And, and uh, Spencer was there on Claire when that magical moment was, was about to happen. And I tipped my hat to him because. He, you know, he struggled out there to figure that out. And he did a hell of a job. And Spencer, this is the thing that I tell people, nobody has probably set more hooks on fish than that dude. When you look at the numbers that, I mean, I'm putting a show together to where in three days of filming out there, we legitimately only fished eight hours because of weather coming in, coming out, weather. Eight hours and we boated seven fish and seen another 15. Now that's a numbers thing. That's that's speaking very high. But think about it. As an angler, if you have that many fish, how you're you're setting the hook 10 to everybody's one nationally just because of the number of fish. So you're gonna get really good at knowing how to read fish because you're encountering so many of them. You know what I mean? Just by the nature of it. You're going to become a better angler. And that's what I tell people to this day. If you're just new into the sport of muskie fishing and you want to catch fish and you want to learn how to catch fish and set the hook and do proper figure eights, you need to book a trip out to a numbers lake like that. Because you're going to get a very good education in a very condensed short time just because of the sheer population of the fish that are out there just 10 times more opportunity to encounter those fish. And that's what I tell people, go out there, go, you know, go out there either by yourself or hire one of those guides, but you're going to have opportunities that, you know, you're not going to get anywhere else just because there's so many fish out there. So you're just going to become a better angler because of that.
0: Does anyone have any follow-up on that? Cause I I have, I I have something else I wanted to, to ask about.
1: Yeah. No, go ahead, Owen.
0: It was just like you know you have these gigantic bodies of water like earlier you had mentioned uh, Green Bay we're talking about Saint Clair you know Leech Lake do you have any bodies of water that you have not really fished in that you'd like to spend some time on bucket list lakes for for a guy like you, you that's fished at all anything like that there's a lot
4: I I need eight more.
6: Yeah, so for Christmas one year, I bought my dad a map of the United States, and every time he catches a muskie in a state that has muskies, we put a picture of him and his muskie in that state. So I think we have about eight more states that he has yet to fish and catch a muskie in.
4: Hmm. They're, all you got, you got, they're, they're all out
0: your yeah. way. You got, you, got, you got a Pennsylvania
4: fish? You got an Ohio oh. fish? You got a New got, York I got, fish? I got Ohio Yep, okay. I got, I I've caught fish. Now again, these are true muskies. Yeah. Okay. Cause once you get into the tiger, then it gets, it gets crazy. You know what I mean? But so I've caught fish in uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, uh, Iowa, Missouri, Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, um, Indiana, Ohio, um Virginia Kentucky Kentucky Tennessee
6: Utah
4: Utah um so I need yeah. I need Maine I need New York I need Pennsylvania I need West Virginia um what else Oh New Jersey um and then I think there's two more North Dakota or North Carolina in the in the Appalachians and then I I'll have I'll caught a muskie in every state that has them.
2: Wait, wait till you hear about old Moss back here in Pennsylvania. Lake of (laughs) the buff.
4: She's a a big old one. I, I need to come out that way. I really, I, that's before I retire, it is one of my goals. I didn't even know until she bought me that. And we started putting pictures in and I was like, holy shit, man. You know what I mean? I, and it never occurred to me. That I've caught fish in all those states until, you know, and a big part of it was uh, I was fishing the PMTT. Yeah. So we were, you know, Ohio, that's where my fish came there. Indiana, that's where a fish Kentucky. came there. Kentucky, yeah. that's where fish came there, you Actually, know.
6: Actually, no, weren't you in Kentucky in the, what was that episode? Was that Tennessee or Kentucky to where you were in the water with the waders?
4: Oh, that was uh, Iowa. I thought, oh,
6: that was that Iowa. That was Iowa. Yeah. You know? Never mind.
4: So. Yeah, so, I, so it is one of my goals that I want is, so yeah, don't be surprised if you guys get hit up. I'm, I hey, want to come out that way. The hunks, the hunks would,
0: would be more than happy to, to oblige. Trust that would me. Be fun. It would be fun. And I need it.
3: I mean, we've true. talked about Washington, too, in the past.
0: You
4: know, I, and again, once you get into the Tiger thing, then that opens up Washington, uh, 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 New Mexico, New Mexico. Um, Colorado. Montana. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? Idaho.
3: You got them all.
4: Yeah. And then you'd have them all. But right now I'm just trying to get all the, the natural musky, you know, um, strain and, uh, purebred strain. And then, then we'll see if I'm still around by then to go after the Tigers at that. But Utah was one of my favorite. I mean, you're, you're up in the mountains and it was just,
3: it was really cool. Time View is beautiful. Time View is beautiful. Been there yeah. multiple times. You um, have been? With, yeah, I'm good friends with Bryce that you've been yep. with there. And that whole crew, that's where our chapter's out of. So I was there earlier uh, in September last year. Um, so, yeah, it's it's pretty there. That's for sure. It,
4: it, it is badass, Yeah. You know? Well, is
3: this that, is a, a, a be-
0: good time to kind of segue into the Muskies, Inc. talk that we, you know, just Stuff we wanted to talk about because Ryan, you just mentioned, you know, you're out west and your chapter is is actually located in Utah, right?
3: correct
0: And so you know, Muskie's Inc is a big thing to our to us here in Pittsburgh, or you know, we we're all part of the chapter uh, Chapter 16, Three Rivers Muskie's Inc, and you know, it's a big reason of how all like this whole group, this Hunk's thing, like none of us knew each other prior to Muskie really a couple of Muskie's Inc. meetings. And then, you know, it really kind of grew from there. And and we've really kind of stressed to people, if you want to get into this sport, really probably the number one aside from all the, you know, everything online, you know, you want real world stuff, join Muskie's Inc., go to meetings and and talk to people because you'll you'd be surprised at how nice people are when people are assholes online, you know, those crappy comments constantly, you go to a Muskie's Inc. meeting and you can talk to people who actually care, who actually want to help you learn. And it's just been a big thing for us. And we want to make sure that we push it as much as we can as a, as a group here.
4: I agree with you. I, I think that Muskie's Inc. is, uh, it, it's definitely um, needed um, and I do tell people all the time cause people do contact me and Hey, I just moved up to Minneapolis from so-and-so, you know, do you know anybody I can hook up with the fish? And first thing I say is join the muskies Inc there. You're, you're joining the club of like-minded people that have the same interest as you. And it's a great way to mentor, um, and, I, I know people that have become very, very, very good friends through that relationship through Muskie's Inc. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. There's a lot of upside to being part of it.
3: Amy, how long have you been in that position now with Muskie's Inc. Eight
1: years? Uh, about so?
6: oh, going on eleven years. Eleven uh, years. Yep. I've been the editor for um, yeah, going on eleven years.
1: So, can you can we talk a little bit about what it's like? For you to be involved you know in the chapter and and kind of work with the magazine because i mean a lot of what you know whenever i first got introduced it was i think it was tony grant at one of the muskie shows might have been ohio that talked about the importance of muskies inc and I, I was i remember sitting there kind of newly getting into this thing and i was like man that sounds like something that could be beneficial but then you you join you start seeing these magazines you see the calendar and everything is just so beautifully put together when you talk about that stuff that that you guys are working on. So, you know, what's it like? What, what are you you know, what are you getting into with with that?
6: Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, well, when I first started off, I was hired as just the editor. I was we actually went through the publishing company for the design and layout. Um, So I just was hired on um, as the editor to vet all of the content, edit all the content, make sure we're putting in quality articles, um, and to reach out to new authors as well so like that's my goal every year is to reach out to new people so we're not just having the same people write the same articles over and over. Um, We've connected now with Muskies Canada to try to do some cross collaboration there as well. They have articles that they'll give us and then we can kind of swap and share content that way. That's probably one of the hardest things about my job is gathering that content of like, how do I keep this new? How do I keep this fresh? How do I have somebody write something that has been written? How many times about this sport? Um, but when I started, I was hired as just the editor. And then I realized um, through Keys Outdoors, I really realized how I loved to design things. Cause I started off literally, I taught myself how to do Photoshop, taught myself how to do InDesign. I went to the library. My dad's like, I need an image I need the background removed, and I'm like, I don't know how to do that. So I went to the library, rented a, or rented out a Photoshop book, learned how to do that because it was there wasn't a lot of tutorials. I mean, there was, but I guess I didn't even think of that at the at the moment of need. Um, and then through that, I just it slowly. I was like, oh, I get this. Oh, I understand this. Once you know one Adobe product, it kind of crosses over to all the other Adobe products where you're like, oh, I'm gonna teach myself how to do. InDesign. And I don't know if you guys remember, but we used to do an online magazine back in the day. I mean, it didn't last very long, but it just never really took off to anywhere. Um, so that's, I kind of taught myself how to design a design a magazine. So then I took that to Musky Zinc and said, hey, I want to bid on becoming the layout designer for the entire magazine. And so I came in with a bid and The rest is history. They just kind of said, all right, you can have it. You can design it. You can uh, do the editor part of it. And then now I just do everything, but I do have a team. So it's not just like I do everything. I have an assistant editor. So Sean Lansman, he does all of the editing of the photos and the uh, the captions. He writes the figure eight column in there. Um, And then Allison, she does the entire lunge log. She is the person that vets all of the photos. So every single photo that comes in, which are thousands of photos, I mean, think about it. Thousands of photos that people submit to the lunge log. She vets through all of them and she handles the entire lunge log, but she also does like the members photo section and the member uh, contest for us. And then we have a group of volunteers that are just musky Zinc members that once I edit it, I send it to them for more editing in case I miss something, which I do a lot. They send it back to me. I then send it to another volunteer, they send it back to me and then I send it to another volunteer. So we have a good group of people that um, help us make the magazine what it is. I mean, there's even a section at the very end where we're now highlighting older members that have been with Muskie's Inc. that have been lifetime members. And we're just kind of highlighting their successes, how they got started with Muskie's Inc. And that's a strictly volunteer. So It's nice when I can count on people like Ryan, when he sends in his chapter news every single month, I can depend on him to give me a nice write-up with nice photos, which is really hard to do at times. But it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And then that led into actually designing the annual calendar for them too. And that's a two-man operation. That's just me and Allison. We do the entire, the entire yearly calendar.
0: That's a lot of, that's a lot of responsibility and that's a lot of musky musky fishing. Like you, you really dove in head first.
6: I did. And um, yeah, I, I definitely dove in and it's been a great learning opportunity and it's been a great growth opportunity for me too, because through that, they then asked me like, how can we grow membership? So then I was, I'm on the membership committee. And so we try to do things that will, you know, continue to help grow our membership. So this last time we did a membership drive of like, a resort state giveaway um if you join muskie's inc or if you renew your membership you'll be entered into a contest to uh choose one of two resorts so it's just you know a lot of back end of like working with different resorts of like hey you know do you want to be part of this
1: yeah i, gotta I
3: appreciate s- you oh, go ahead sorry Ryan. no I, I don't
1: want to interrupt you i just wanted to show amy this because i was going through some stuff this week and putting some things into frames and there was one particular Muskie's Zinc magazine that yours truly made it into. And I finally got that page in a frame. And that's one of those that's things great. that I just absolutely like completely value. It's like one of those like personal achievements, like, hey, I was in a Muskie's Zinc magazine. This is super cool. And it's just, you know, like whenever I, I get that article every month, it's like, I don't wanna say it's like Christmas, but it, it is like getting anything musky related in the mail for me is like, it's just an amazing day when that magazine shows up. That is like, my wife knows that I'm going to be like gone for like a solid 45 (laughs) minutes to an hour. I'm going to be reading everything I can in that, in that magazine. And I just, you know, I want to just say like that for me, and I know a lot of us, like that stuff is super valued. Like we really enjoy the magazine and the calendar yes. and it's dude it is super cool because we've we've established so many relationships and just talking about ryan and his his write-ups i get super jacked when i open that magazine and i see an article from ryan elizondo i'm like i talk to ryan every single day like he's in the magazine <laughs> this is super cool and it's just a neat thing to see all these guys that we've talked to and established relationships with and it's just a very cool thing that Muskie Zinc does. And you guys do an absolute amazing job with it.
6: Well, thank you, you very much. And if it, if it wasn't for people like Ryan, though, um, that submit every single month, it would be really hard to fill that magazine only because like we depend so heavily on the chapters to let us know what is going on. You know, like we encourage the chapters to submit their bi-monthly update to us with possibly with photos or whatnot. But another cool thing about the magazine too, is we give all of the chapters a free ad every single year. And a lot of the chapters don't know that to where it's like, if you want to advertise an upcoming event or something, we will give you free ad space to go out to all of our members. So it's one of those underutilized Hmm. things that they just, they just, a lot of chapters just don't use.
2: You know, who loves the magazine, little kids. When the, when that magazine comes in the mail, my girls are on it. They read it before I do. They're like, "Look at these fish; they're bigger than yours." I'm like, "Yeah, you, you know that. <laughs> that's fine. You know, you all know, gotta have something to aim for." But they love it. I mean, that, and that's exciting. I mean, kind of yeah. going back to what we talked about getting people involved. I mean, they just consume it and love it, and it's funny to think a six year old just sitting down reading the Muskie Zinc magazine. But here we are.
6: That's awesome. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's cool. Thank you both just for the kind words. Up. You guys don't
3: need to blow my head up. And now, if I fail to write one, now I'm. Yeah. Uh, I'll be texting you. Don't worry.
6: I'll be like, where is your report? Listen, What's going you, on?
4: You just, I was just thinking you just about been, this month. You've just been aimed. <laughs> she, she she just put pressure on you subconsciously. Now, oh, yeah. now you've just been aimed. <laughs>
3: It's been so great working with you, Amy. On Now,
4: does
2: it, is it hard? Like, like from your guys' end that puts that together, do you do a lot of, like you said that the chapters don't realize about the free ads and things like that. Is there a lot of communication from your end to the individual chapters or the chapter presidents or like, how does that go to say, Hey, we need content or like, can you send us something or, you know, what's that whole process look like on your end?
6: We can only go so far. So we do, if there's any information that is really important, we have a monthly newsletter that again, I create for all of the chapters that goes from the national organization down to, I believe just either the chapter presidents to then send to all of their, or to relay that information all to all of their members, because we can't literally send a newsletter. Um, With the logistics of it, like we can't just send a newsletter because they have to opt into it to all of the members. And then there's just other technical things that I not, I don't fully understand how that all works. But this is how we can get that information to the chapter members is through the chapter presidents. So we do do that. It's just we're relying on those chapter presidents to then relay that information Um, but also like whenever I do send out something, I do see like Ryan, he will share something on Facebook, on the Facebook pages. So I do appreciate all of that. Um, it's just more or less like I can get the content to person a, but then they have to distribute it to everybody else. So we try our best definitely to try to get all of that information out, especially when I am needing new content for or new authors, you know, you got to keep it fresh. You got to keep it new. You, you have your OGs that write all the time that are really good. If I have a question about what I, you know, like, Hey, can you write about fishing uh, rivers? What do you need for that? You know? And then he'll be like, okay, great. That's great. I can write about that. I have my authors that I can rely on. Um, but there are a lot of people that have said they were going to write for me and then they just fall off the face of the earth. And I'm like, "Ah, crap. okay. It's one of those things to where it's like getting those good authors has been difficult. It's been getting better though, but it's been, yeah, it's been a little bit difficult.
0: I think we've all, you know, picked up Muskie Magazines and kind of seen the same types of articles over and over and over. It's tough to it's tough to really keep it fresh. Yep. And sometimes just having a new voice and having a new person can can be a difference. Yep.
6: So if any of you want to write for Muskie's Inc. magazine, please let me know.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I
0: think
1: it's a don't jump at
4: once.
6: Yeah,
1: yeah. Donnie. Nate's a teacher. Nate, Nate can put things a little more eloquently than I can. I'm a bit of a
6: wordsmith. (laughs) (laughs) If if anybody that is listening to this has something to say about muskie fishing and they definitely want to write for a national magazine, please reach out to me because we are always looking, it doesn't, you know, we're always looking for new people, just a fresh perspective. Um, You don't have to be the best writer in the world either. Like we have people that make it sound better if you are not the best writer so it is uh it's a team effort so
1: now does this I have was gonna to be
5: ask like well you know what if you're a bad writer and an even worse musky fisher? is that is, where do you fit is in there somebody you want for this?
6: i would give you a sidebar how about that
1: <laughs> I got a, we gotta does it have to be about musky fishing or can we get in any karaoke because i know we got a guy for that
0: drunken period <laughs>
1: how can people get a
2: hold of you for this stuff like like to send articles and whatnot this through the like through the chapter website through the is it there's contact info in the magazine for that
6: well and you have to be a member to have the magazine so Mm -hmm. if you're not a member you wouldn't have my contact information but you could just email me at managing editor at muskiesinc.org And that way we can, you know, just begin that relationship of kind of explaining to what we need or, you know, um, we have a lot of people that donate articles. We have a lot of people that swap articles for membership fees. So there's options there as well of like, or advertising. So you write an article, but you want to advertise your business. There's different ways to, um, you know, get your company out there as well.
1: See, this is another question I've always had too, because like some of us, you know, while, while we have families and we've got things, you know, with work and things like that, sometimes it's hard to get involved, but some of us kind of really want to get involved in areas that we can, you know, with limited time. And, you know, like Donnie is our release director, you know, I'm doing some of the membership stuff. We've got other guys that are doing some of those roles. And, you know, like, that's an awesome thing. Cause I guess my question is like, Without kind of getting into the details of this, like if somebody wants to be able to help with something, is there an avenue for somebody to be able to do that, to do more, whatever whatever it is? Like, maybe I give you an example, like say for our chapter, I wrote a guide on how to enter fish into the lunge log. You know what I mean? Like that's something that I have a good background in and I write support articles all the time. Like that's something that I could do to help is there like an avenue for that? Like, is there any way people could help or is there something that Muskie's Inc. needs? I, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes we wanna do more to help the club and help the chapters and things like that. And it's it's not always an easy thing just to do that.
6: Yeah, it's definitely not an easy thing, but I can tell you every chapter in Muskie's Inc., they're always wanting more people to help. So I know just with your chapter, it sounds like you're doing a great job, but if you're looking at the national, level of how can we help even farther than that I think a great contact is just reaching out to me and I can probably get you into the right you know contact for whatever it is you would want to do if it is a magazine then I am the person you would just obviously talk to and we can have that discussion so but I really like that idea of how to enter in a lunge log I don't even know how to do that because I don't ever catch any fish (laughs) to do that
1: well I have a document (laughs) for you if you ever want to see it I'm just throwing that out there <laughs> and proud. especially
6: with our new website too. I know a lot of people have been having a couple difficulties with navigating that. So that is definitely something worth exploring.
0: Sounds how like much a future it, article is, here. There you go. How much is the Muskie Zinc membership now?
6: $45. I think. Hold on. Okay. I think it's uh yeah, $45 for a year. Uh a family membership is 57 50 Okay. And I buy like two uh, year memberships and three mem- three year memberships.
0: Because something that uh Nate and I had talked about, you know, we have <laughs> we have a big musky show here in Western Pennsylvania called Western Pennsylvania Musky Max. It's like it's our it's Christmas in March for all of us, and maybe even more. It's the biggest thing. My dad, we've talked about him before. He also does paintings. All right, so I have a booth doing my bucktails. I make bucktails and spinner baits. It's a hobby. It's nothing that I ever intend to turn into anything serious, but it's something I really enjoy doing. My dad, to help out, painted this awesome musky painting by hand. Um, And I'm gonna be doing a giveaway at Musky Max for people that come and buy something at my booth. But I also wanted to do, if anybody is not registered for Muskies Inc, is not signed up. If you go at Muskie's uh, at Muskie Max and you sign up and you come over to my booth and you show that you've signed up, you know you've got your new Muskie Inc. sign up sheet, you will get an entry into the the giveaway. So uh, it's basically an, a, another way to get entered into uh, winning this one of one painting that my dad did. So and I'll be posting more about that. I wanted to bring that up because I wanted to tie in Muskie's Inc. Uh, to that,
6: no, that's great. It's everybody loves free stuff. You know, it's one of those things to where it's like, how can I get? You know, entering a giveaway and doing giveaways are a huge thing that we do as, at Muskie Zinc too. So we appreciate that that your your dad actually made something to benefit Muskie Zinc. So that's super awesome.
2: Here, I, I have a question. You know, to both you, you know, what do you say to the person who? Fishers for muskies, but it's kind of like a, a holdout on the muskieing side. Like I know for me personally, you know, I just had a real kind of misconception of what it was. You know, I thought it was more of a social club and more of just a, you know, thing that people got together, but never realizing a lot of the other pieces of the puzzle for the fisheries and, and everything else that it does. So if there's someone else out there that's kind of like contemplating it, I've heard of it. I don't know what it's about. You know, it's just tournaments and things like that. Like, what would you guys say to those people who are, you know, on the fence or fishing for muskies, but maybe aren't involved or or join muskies Inc.?
6: I would tell them just to go to a meeting. You don't have to be a member to go to a meeting. You don't have to be a member to... Go do their activities. That's how they recruit a lot of their members is by showing them before they actually commit to something. So I would say, you know, or talk to a Muskie Zinc member, you know, um, you've done that. He's done that so many times at booths about, Hey, I'm new to the sport. And even after you know, I mean, years, you just walk people right over to the booth and be like, these people can help you. These are the people that are going to get you connected to where you want to fish. And half the time the girls would be like, Hey, yeah, we're going to go out on a trip on XYZ. Why don't you come with us? I mean, it's just showing them and making that connection with them. So like even just, yeah, bringing them along to a meeting would be, I think, super helpful and informative for them.
3: Yeah, I agree. Hands on, man. I wanted to go back to, you you both mentioned about trying to keep things fresh, not only on the Muskie Magazine side, but also, Mike, on the, the TV show and everything. How do you two collaborate, let's just say, at the end of the year and try and figure out what's going to be next for the next year and say, hey, do I want to fish new water? Do I want to go somewhere that we didn't have success for a couple years ago? How do you guys collaborate together? And also, when do the heads butt ever?
6: Um. Well, I never tell dad where to fish. That'd be a really bad decision on my part of like, <laughs> I don't even know. And when I say I don't fish, I know the bare minimum about muskie fishing. So he's the one that sets up all the shoots for himself. And, um, but I really think that map that we got him, I got him a few years ago has been super helpful because it has encouraged him to go to Nebraska. Um, right, right, right. Yeah. To go, you know, and then you've been back to Virginia. There t- Virginia. It, yeah. It's encouraged him to be like, where can I go that I haven't gone before? And that's just his mentality of like how he finds a body of water. Just where have I not fished before? So that's, I mean, then he just depicts it from there of how he's going to fish that body of and water. There's,
4: there's a fine line that you got to, I, I watch for Because if you are constantly going to these exotic places, that's not the everyday guy, you know, they, people have jobs, they got families, they got, you know, so there's a real fine line, you know, between going to these very, uh, you know, off, you know, big name places out east or, or, you know, even in the Midwest. But yet keeping it to where I want to be able to sit there and say, hey, if you're from Illinois, here's what northern Wisconsin is. It's only a five hour drive. You know what I mean? So there's a fine line between going too crazy and still keeping things local because we're blessed in the state of Wisconsin. There are so many lakes with muskies that a guy could legitimately, legitimately, legitimately fish a lake every day in Northern Wisconsin and probably never run out of, out of musky water. It, it's that's how many lakes are up there. Um, so you don't want to get into that routine either, where you're constantly, you know, going, you know, the easiest place in the world to go catch fish is Lake of the woods. Go up there, go up there. I, and I tell people this, go up there once if you want to catch numbers, it's like the St. Clair thing we were talking about. There's just so many fish up there. But again, it's uh, me as a TV thing. I wanna, I wanna do a big trip and then do some local stuff because I want to keep it to where the guys are. Oh yeah, well, geez, he's always out in Lake of the Woods or he's always up in Canada, which I will not fish Canada at all. I really? I, I refuse to fish it.
0: And why? Is it like, um, uh,
4: just what that?
0: I don't want to start a border war here or anything, but. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, no, it just, it's, uh, me personally, I, I, they don't like us up there. Um, they want our money, but they don't want us. Uh, it's a political thing. Um, cause I've done so much when I started my career, I shot a lot up there. I brought people up there. We brought, I used to do a bear hunt up there where every year for five years, we'd bring eight guys at 3,500 bucks, do the math on that for eight yeah. years. And they would just at the border, they would treat you like shit. You would need a lawyer basically to understand the rules at time. You know what I mean? And I just got tired of it. And I was like, you know something we've got just as much good fishing here in the United States. And I would rather promote our country and, and our fisheries than to go to Canada and, You know, that's just me something. So my last trip was probably 15 years ago up there. And we were treated so badly at the border that I was like, are you kidding me? How much revenue have I generated? You know what I mean? From a guide, a a guide up there that relies 100% on American money because Canadians aren't going to hire him to go shoot a bear. They can walk out their back door and shoot a bear. You know what I mean? So it was this and what we were doing for that community and that family. And it just wasn't recognized by their government. Like they, they, they want our money and they don't want us. And I just got to the point where it was like, my God. And then what, what really ended it for me is when I went up there to film and I had to buy a worker's permit, 2,500 bucks that I had to pay the government to film out of their country, to promote their country to our people. And I'm like, I'm a businessman and this doesn't make sense. When it starts costing money for me to promote you, that's not cool. You know what I mean? And then the, I just never went back. And yeah, the,
0: the whole, you know, paying. Uh, I don't know how any of that stuff works.
4: Yeah. Well, it was, that's what it was. It was because I was filming they wanted me to purchase a workers' permit at twenty five hundred dollars to film. And well, like was, you know, uh, like you said, you just to, you can come here. You can come over here to Pennsylvania, well, New I, York That's what or, I would rather and, do. Like yes. I said, and and, and, and I say this in all fairness too. It, it's like you know, big fish aren't always the the main thing, but. Tell me, when was the last time you heard of a fifty-seven incher caught in Canada? I know a lot of them that were caught. Well, besides the Saint, the Saint Lawrence River, yeah, at least that out of the that area <laughs> out there, but Lake of the Woods, it just it's not going to happen. Just right? Not happen.
0: See, we're we're on the uh, we're on the side where we get a lot more of the Canada stories of Saint Lawrence and Georgian Bay, and you know, like absolute monsters you know in that area not necessarily like the uh you know the out west lake of the woods type of stuff
4: right but yet in green bay right now 55 inches are dropping like you wouldn't believe i mean it's unbelievable what they've done with that fishery it's it fish is very small but they're catching some big fish and that was always my thing too is is that we've got a great fisheries program here in the united states i would rather help out that that town or that resort you know what i mean uh yeah. is american and, and keep the money here and and the tourism here you know it'd be different if they would open your arms or but they're they're not they just you know and even the guys the outfitters that i worked with over the years they hate their own country Oh, I I don't
0: disagree with you there. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk you talk to lodge owners and resort owners up there, and and yeah, I mean, they're not pleased at all with the way that they're treated by the government. So I I would agree with that. Yeah. Um
1: Hey, I got I got three things real quick. Go okay. for it. This to be real quick. I know we're getting up on time here. First thing, I'm just throwing this out there because Owen usually does this. We do a hunk spring fling. In the year, state of Pennsylvania, you ever want to come out and catch a PA muskie? You're invited to Camp Toda and Hunk's weekend. So I'm throwing that out there for Owen. Two Send other things. That. What's that? Send me the dates on that. Okay, all right, we can we'll, we can uh, we'll, we'll get them to
0: you. And we got we we have a we have a place I'm for you to stay. I mean, today.
4: you have you, you plug your boat you in. Gonna, you never know when <laughs> I end up where I'm going to end up. Yeah, I gotta. I, I it's a goal of mine. Um, and I want to get out there. I want to. I want to get it done. It's a mission before yeah. I retire, and I'm hoping that I've got ten more years of doing this, and then I'll hang her up. You know,
6: probably by then a grandkid will be old enough to carry on the legacy of Mike Keys. That's Hopefully.
4: super cool. Or, or, keep it going, or, or, or maybe they'll be smarter, and go get a real job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always tell people. Man, I screwed up when I got home from the bar that night, and I watched that truck driving commercial, and I didn't take them up on it. (laughs) Now now I'm sleeping in a boat on some godforsaken river somewhere, you know what I mean? Eating ramen noodles. Oh, yeah. Glamour.
1: all right i gotta i i asked the goofiest questions on this podcast and one of which i should probably know this from watching videos i can't say that i've ever stared at your feet while i was watching a keys outdoors video but what if you were out on the boat what is your footwear of choice i gotta know i gotta flip flops Flip flops. all right yep
4: yep yeah not I, crocs but, uh,
1: yeah flip flops okay just make sure because
4: there's come fall time uh, there's a, a day every year where I have a really hard time walking and it's because I put shoes on for the first time since spring and it, they feel heavy, they feel awkward. I feel very clumsy in them, but if I'm, yeah, flip-flops is my, my, my footwear for sure.
1: All right. And then I got to ask with all the stops to quick trip, what is the Mike keys boat snack of choice? absolute favorite boat snack it's boat snack yeah um, must have must
4: have from quick trip
1: anywhere and it could their be coffee. anything
4: their coffee but their chicken chicken <laughs> like like i eat so much chicken that i literally they i should be their spokesperson for it i they have the best chicken i consume it like crazy uh, on I the boat add- What's that? Eating it on the boat?
6: Yeah, because they have the hot chicken. So they Are have. we talking um, about
3: fried chicken.
6: Yeah, they're yeah. like little. It's like chicken bites, but they have flavor like garlic parmesan <laughs> or mild sauce. They have them hot. They have them cold, and they're delicious either way. So yeah.
2: <laughs> you're getting a little sauce. I you're getting it. a little sauce on those pounders, and then tossing them out. I'm on to you. Yeah, mild
4: sauce. the sauce, but no. What a great sponsorship that's been. Quick Trip. If you guys out east have never experienced it, it's, uh, you know, that's our biggest thing. Think about it. Where at 10 o'clock at night, when you get off the water, can you yeah. get something hot to eat? You know what I mean? It's very rare that you can find that. And uh, they have so many locations in the Midwest now that it's just jump in there, get a hot meal, some hot coffee, Um, and you're you're good to go. Gas up the boat. And you're ready to rock and roll, man.
6: And I don't know where they find their employees, but they're like the nicest humans ever. I don't understand it. But th- honestly, they are so incredibly nice. They it's must funny. be treated well,
0: as then th- it must be a pretty good corporation, I would yeah. think. It th- is. Th- they treat their employees corporate. pretty
4: well. My, 40, My wife, oh, sorry, 40% of their money, their profits go back to the employees. Yeah. yeah. My wife's from
2: Iowa. We go to Quick Trip, and those molasses cookies are bomb, too.
4: Oh, yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. Oh, she's from Iowa? Yeah, Yeah. she's from Iowa, right outside Cedar Rapids.
4: They're expanding. There will be a Quick Trip coming your way soon. (laughs) (laughs) She's originally from
3: Illinois and traveling up to Wisconsin to fish quite a bit, so I frequent Quick Trip a lot. My favorite is the breakfast pizza. If you've never, oh yeah, that,
4: that is that is good too. Have yep. you ever
6: tried the actual? I think it's a brat pizza. I forget what they call it, but they have chunks of brat, Wisconsin brats, uh, um, Johnsonville brats on their pizza, and it's absolutely. Is that a
3: Gillespie uh, signature? John Gillespie signature Johnsonville brat pizza. Oh, oh John yes. Gillespie, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, yeah. John's a good guy, um, man. He's a great guy. So, well, yeah, man, it's been, it's been fun. This
0: has been a blast. I really appreciate you guys taking this, this amount of time with us and kind of going over everything. I mean, we really covered, covered a lot of ground here tonight. Uh, guys, do you, does anyone have any follow-ups that they want to, because we I mean, we've we've talked about a lot of stuff here.
4: Yeah. When you, when you talk about, Pizza with uh, Johnsonville, you pretty much covered everything. <laughs> <laughs> wait I, wait till I we did. tell you
2: about putting fries on our sandwiches.
4: Nothing wrong oh. with that. We're all Sad. about that. Sad. Sad.
6: Sad.
2: Shout out to Permanis.
6: <laughs> um, Mike, are you going to be doing?
2: And... Oh, go okay. ahead, Amy.
6: No, I just want to mention KOTV. I don't know. Um, this is our first year of not airing on a national network. We are no longer airing on. Valley's
4: uh, which was Fox
6: which was Fox at the time so this year the only way to watch us now is on our network KOTV which is completely free for anybody to download if you have a Roku device um you just type in KOTV cha- or KOTV and our channel will pop up you download it no cost to you and you get to watch non-stop fishing and hunting shows we have John Gillespie we have Larry Smith we have Jason Mitchell Keys Outdoors Musky Mayhem 10,000 Casts <laughs> the Lindert Sportsman's Journal team ultimate outdoor adventure. We just have a bunch of this content completely free for anybody. And so it's, it's a great platform to watch nonstop hunting and fishing. So we are on there as well as our YouTube channel, but let's promote KO TV.
4: It just, we, we started that three years ago. We grew it now to where we felt that we could make that, that leap to leave, uh, Bally's and, uh, we felt our numbers were were really good on that network. Um, we've grown it to, we broke what, 5.3 million views on it in three years. Um, wow. So people are digging it. We're averaging about 200,000 uh, views a month on it. So we figured that and plus Bally's is filing bankruptcy. Yeah. So I seen it coming three years ago and that's why we jumped out and got on the streaming thing because we knew that this is the future. This is where it's going to go. They
6: wouldn't have seen us on Bally's. How did you guys find out about a Keys Outdoors? YouTube. You, was it YouTube? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And We
4: dig YouTube. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, the only thing with YouTube is I find it very annoying because they're, you know, right in the middle of something they, like, as a producer, it's like, why in God's name would you put a commercial right there?
0: You know, you work. I'm sure you guys work very hard on on spacing and making sure you're you're filling the time correctly, and and then to have some you know Viagra ad pop up there in the middle
4: of a, you know whatever. Exactly, (laughs) and it's annoying to me as a producer because that's not what they that's not the norm. It's like okay, your first commercial break should be six minutes in, and then it should be another ten minutes, and then the next one, and so there's these rules. And then all of a sudden these guys come along and go, no, let's put that hair commercial in right there. You know, right when the guy's hooking up on a giant fish. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason why we started KOTV TV because it's real TV. It, it, you don't have those annoying banner ads coming in. Now, granted we get paid for doing that. Which you know. Is why I, mean? I keep them on there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's annoying. And, uh, so yeah, no KOTV is something you guys check out. It's free. Um, if you don't have Roku, you can do it at uh, www.kotvchannel.com and watch it online um, and stream it to your TV, and it's all free. So, and we're trying to build more content, more more musky content. Now you know Brad Hoppy is doing uh, Musky Mayhem, ten thousand cast. He's, yeah um, we just had we had just had chase on last week uh, yeah.
0: and and talked Muskie mayhem 10,000 casts and mentioned KO TV hey, on that go. episode
4: so I mean and, and that's the cool thing about it is is when I got into the game it was pay to play big money to, to buy airtime big money um and we wanted it to where it was affordable you know what I mean I know what it is to sit there and go, holy shit, I got to come up with X amount of dollars just to cover my airtime. And uh, so we wanted to keep it affordable and we're looking for new content. And, uh, you know, they just got to meet that that regiment of uh, 2830 because how we make our money and how we pay for the network is through advertising. <clears throat> so everything on a live feed, every half an hour, a new show has to start. You know, and if you divert, you're one minute over. Well, in a twelve-hour period,
6: it's, gonna it's now pushing everything it,
4: everything's off. So it's it's a uh, it's a fine wheel that we have to run mm-hmm. here. But uh, check it out, KOTV, man. That's how we'd love to have everybody watch us, is because it is commercial-free, um, and as far as in our show, and uh, you're not going to get those annoying banner ads.
3: What are the mm-hmm. uh, the new season just started, Mike and Amy. Uh, I think you're two episodes in now. What are the air times for the new episodes?
6: Yep. So every Saturday and Sunday on KOTV, we air at 9.30 a.m. And then what I do is I set up all of the playlists. So then those fresh contents, uh, that fresh episode will just loop for 24 hours. Literally the entire weekend will be that entire episode lineup. And um, so, yeah, we will air our show 9.30 a.m. Saturday and Sunday mornings. And then immediately put them into
4: a VOD. That's central standard time? Yes.
6: Yes. Yes.
4: Yeah. So if you know anybody, any content creators that are looking to get on, you know, TV, and like I said, our numbers are, are really doing well, very well. Enough for me. It was a big deal, man, for me to leave. I was with Fox for 19 years. And for me to go, I'm finally pulling the plug that was not taken lightly. You know what I mean? I'm that were sure. yeah. my bills. That was,
6: I guess that's where our, our buttering our heads. We that was probably the only
4: time <laughs> that we disagreed. Cause I would have done it a year earlier Yeah, and she was like, no, we got to get those numbers up. We got to, you know what I mean? And we butted heads on that a little bit, but um, ultimately I was just like, you know, we, we need to make that move. The, this, this Fox is failing. It just filed bankruptcy. And, you know, I don't want to be caught with my pants down going, okay. And and that's why it was so easy for me to get all these shows that were on Fox on our network because they're all in the same boat. They don't know if they're going to be airing next week. It's week to week. And it's like, so what do you do? You go back to your contracts now where you're obligated to produce 13 episodes and you say, guess what? The major network that you're paying for is no longer in business. I got to pay you back all that money. What do I got to do? It's scary. So, yeah. something to think about. I, well, I make sure say- our
0: listeners get out, get out there and support, you know, the new venture, you know, check you out on Roku. Because I know I don't have Roku at home, but I have it up at the lake. So, I'll get that set up when I get up there. So, I'll have to do it old fashioned way here. Yep. We we'd appreciate it for sure,
1: I, man. I got to say making Saturday and Sunday mornings great again. I think a lot of us, <laughs> I think, I think a lot of us grew up watching, you know, the Larry Dahlbergs and, the, and that on Saturday and Sundays. And that, dude, that is a, that is a very special thing to me because I can remember watching many, many hunting and fishing episodes, you know, growing up on the, on those types of channels. So that is super cool. I'm definitely going to check that out.
6: Right on. It, right. And we have a great lineup too. So it starts off with uh May Hammett right right away at eight o'clock, Larry Smith, Jason Mitchell, Keys Outdoors, John Gillespie, Lindards, uh Sportsman's Journal, and then Team Ultimate Outdoor Adventure. If I missed one, I apologize. But it is just an, the weekend is full of new episodes, quarter one. It's just our favorite time of year.
2: can't wait to see pa fishing with ryan reed on there maybe one day
1: No, not (laughs) you
2: never
1: know know. i don't know i I pretty much know that one (laughs) (laughs) well what else what else this has been freaking oh go ahead swanky yeah donnie
5: before we get off here i don't want to take up too much of, of mike and amy's time but i did have one question for mike It's like i said I he's like my mentor for musky fishing, whether he knows it or not, he found out tonight, but (laughs) Mike, (laughs) Mike, uh, uh, the, the people that listen to this podcast already know this because we've talked about it more than once, but Mike, I've had a, what I would call a shit season in 2023, pardon my French, but it was, it was the worst musky fishing season I've had since I got into musky fishing, even worse than my very first season doing it. Uh, so my question to you, with that preface, is number one: Have you ever had a season like that where you just, just completely busted you down? You know, demoralized you, really kicked you in the, you know what, if you know what I mean? And uh, if you did, how did you bounce back from it? Because I, I find myself struggling right now
4: you know i you do and and i think what it is is you got to you got to be very resilient in this sport and i think that's the beauty of it is i don't care how good you are you are going to be humbled it is going to put you right back in your place where you need to be and that is you know and if you can go in with that mindset you know knowing that you know you are going to get days where This year was a, a and and don't feel bad, the 2023, this was a freaking messed up year. Windows didn't mean shit. It was, it was, everything was all over. And what saved us was we would go shoot with nothing, shoot with nothing. And then all of a sudden we'd have a shoot where we'd catch um, three, three parters this year. Two parters. Two parters. So, which means we'd catch like seven fish and it would be like this huge explosion of fish. And then it would be nothing, nothing, nothing. You fish the majors, the minors, the, you know what I mean? All the stuff you're supposed to do. And the only other year I had like that wasn't because the fishing was bad. It was because my computer crashed and I lost a whole half a year of footage. Gone, gone. I was on suicide watch. I mean, it would no, I mean, legitimately, I was, I have never felt so like empty because it was like I had all these contracts to fill and half of my season was gone. And, you know, and so as a fisherman, I think what you got to do is you just got to, listen, it's like a quarterback in the NFL. You know what I mean? You throw an interception, you don't think about it. You get back up and you chuck another ball, you know what I mean? And uh, you just can't let it play heavy on your mind. you gotta, you got to just wipe it off and say, okay, the last 100 casts sucked, but this next one is going to be freaking awesome. You watch. I think a lot of it is so much positive thinking um, that you've got to be positive on what you do. You've got to be deliberate on what you do, but more importantly – Is uh, you know you you got to have an attitude to where if you are having a bad streak, the next cast things are going to change, and that's the mindset that you have. And it's like a good quarterback, you know what I mean? You know, just because you got picked off because you threw it into that deep zone, you know what I mean? Doesn't mean you're never going to throw that deep zone again, you know what I mean? You're going to go right back, and I think that that's what you got to do is keep a positive attitude. And uh, always think that I'm not going to let this fish beat me. You know what I mean? I mean, my God, it's got a brain the size of a pea, for God's sakes. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, I'm going to let this thing own me? No way. You know? So it's, it's all attitude. You, and you'll do good, man. You'll, you know, I don't let it beat me up ever. I really don't. I, I have bad days, but I get right back on the horse and ride in there. And today, my mindset going is, is. Today, that shit changes. Today is the day things change. And I think that that's what it is. A lot of it is just powerful thinking.
0: Something I was thinking about, and I I want to follow up just with this last thing, and that is you had mentioned that there's a bunch of, like all this footage from you back in the day that needs to be transferred over. And, you know, it's going to take some time. Is there one fish out of all that stuff that nobody has seen up until, you know, maybe that, that it was only aired one time. Like, is there one fish that stands out to you? They're like, man, I wish that thing was online right now. It would go viral or, you know,
4: people would love that. No, I don't think it's a fish as much as it is people. Um, me personally, if I could have anything, if I could go back to one day of filming and have that day back, it would probably be when when Eric Jensen was alive because he was my mentor. He was the one that, you know, taught me and to me, I would trade every big fish I've ever caught for just one more day in the boat with him. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, cause he was that cool of a dude. That's awesome. Well,
0: and it honestly, I mean, it, it, that shows how much musky fishing means in a lot of ways. Like how often, how can you, there's not many areas that you bond with people like that, Right. Than you do in a boat chasing this stupid fish with a pea brain that, you know, that doesn't cooperate even when you know where they are, you know, all these things. It's,
4: it's kind of what bonds friendships to me. It is. There's there's no doubt. Like I said, out of all the fish that we've caught, it never lasts more than a minute. So, you know what I mean? So, really, are we chasing it for just that one minute high? Or is it the high of everything that goes into that one minute, and that's what it is. It's everything that leads up to that one minute. Those are the valuable times. That's the time where you sit down and you go, you think back and you go, dude, I remember we got our butts kicked, but we were all on the same page. We were all feeling the same thing. It's those emotions that money can't buy and no fish can buy. It's them are the things. And like I said, I trade every fish that I've ever caught for just one more day with that dude, because that's what he meant to me. I wouldn't be where I am right now if it wasn't for that mentoring uh, in that relationship. And I think people have to, you gotta remember that. It's, It's not who you become, it's where you came from and who got you there. And, you know, never forget that. And one of the things I think that I pride myself more than anything, in my career is the loyalty that I've had with my sponsors and the loyalty that they've had with me. I remember going into a garage, a garage, a one-car garage stacked to the top of boxes with this crazy company called Musky Mayhem when they were just starting. And her signing a check and her hand shaking because it's the most money she's ever spent in her life, you know what I mean? For promotion and advertisement. And now we look back at that, and Brad and I and Carrie get together. I send them their contract every year, and they're like, Really? You're going to send us a contract? We're with you until you die, dude. Just like I'm with them. I've been offered more money by other companies. Trust me, I've had people come and say, Whatever they're paying you, we will pay you more, and we will. And it's not about that. I've never done this for the money. I always told people, if I wanted to make money, there's a lot of crazy illegal things I could have got into to make money. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's I've never done it for the money. I've done it for the relationship. I've done it to watch them companies grow and watch their kids. We become friends mm-hmm. and watch their kids get bigger and go, God, I've been with you for 17 years of my life. we work together. We both succeeded together and I was raised in a business family that my dad's business practice and his motto was a good business deal is where everybody wins. And that's just human life. That's nature in life. Everybody's happy. And so that's what I've done it for. But those relationships are priceless. I mean, to be with that and watch those companies grow into i mean think about it there's not a bigger bucktail company now in the world than mayhem nobody uh, they're
0: the, yeah i mean they're the standard and you know they've they
4: started it you know they, it's they like did. It, they yeah did. i mean and and musky innovation same thing I mean, when brad came out with a rubber bait this big he was laughed at people were like are you what are you nuts and look at what he's done you know so to be part of those companies um or Jeff Widman from TRO starting out of his garage and building that into an amazing company and part of that. I take a lot of pride in a lot.
1: That's awesome. That is super cool. That's a man. I guess I'm a little bit speechless over here, Mike. I've just been listening to you guys talk the last two, almost two and a half hours. Mm. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm just drinking it all in. So I, I, I don't well, know hopefully, if we hopefully
4: we'll all get to meet someday and have a beer over it. and and I, then, you know, I
0: would love for that to happen, Mike. Yeah,
4: me too, man. Yeah. Me too. That would That's be awesome. What it's about it's about the relationships. Don't ever forget that. This is just the road we're traveling on. It's about everything else that leads up to it. And when I die on my bed, don't think for one minute that I'm not going to think back and think of those things. I'm not going to think about the fish I caught. Fish. You know what I yeah. mean? I'm going to think about the dudes I fish with, the places I've been, and the people I've met. And to me, that's the most important thing.
0: Man, I can't think of a better way to sum up what kind of we all want out of musky fishing, really. Right. I mean.
4: It's what it is.
0: Yeah, it really is, man. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's
4: just the road. The fish is just the road that we travel. So, but right on.
0: This well, has been we, a blast Anyone? Yeah. Anyone else? I don't want to take any, any more time because I already feel bad. You guys have given us two and a half hours here and it's been amazing. I feel like it's flown by, uh, but anyone else, if, if, if any other questions,
3: Mike, anybody got, uh, with show season right around the corner, Chicago starting next week. Are you going to be at the shows? People who have the opportunity to meet with you talk, uh, you doing it? I won't
4: be at Chicago. I don't do Chicago. Um, I, I I just I, I'm so busy right now with editing, but I will be at the Milwaukee Show. I'll be at the Wausau Show in Minneapolis show. So I, I'll be at those three. I'm speaking at all three of those. Um, not Milwaukee, not Milwaukee. Uh, Wausau in Minneapolis. but um, <clears throat> this time of the year we're editing, you know, so we're we're crunching trying to get everything done and keep everybody happy. But so. by
6: mid March, by the end of March, we're usually done, so that kind of frees it up for us to
4: right.
6: uh, go to those shows.
3: Awesome! Can't thank you both enough for you guys' time coming on. This was great.
0: Well, thank yeah, you. This, this was impressive. awesome. This was amazing. Like a yeah. down to or just a real down to earth <clears throat> talk that I, I I think people see people on TV and they assume that everyone on TV is this like superman and you know does everything right but to talk to a guy like you that you know admits that hey you're not superman and you, you know oh. that's part of that's part of the part of the beauty of it
4: that's that i don't so. wear a cape because i'd probably hang myself so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i i just want to say amy thank you for everything yes. you're doing with musky zinc yes you're doing a great job that's a fantastic thing and and we're all very thankful to have people like you involved in In Musky and and to really give us these awesome things like the magazine and the calendar. So thank you. Yes, we
0: don't ever want to lose the paper magazine and the paper calendar. It's just.
6: That is really good to hear. So I will keep fighting for it. Not that there's ever, you know, worry about that. But yeah, I am riding that ship as long as they'll have me. So I absolutely enjoy working for them. And they give me the creative freedom. And I get to meet so many people through this job. I mean, I don't think I've ever met my assistant editor that I work with. For the last 10 years ever in person ever wow. it, which is kind of crazy to think about the person that i took over for never met him in person uh allison never i met her in person once at a, at a muskie expo actually so we <laughs> we met up at a muskie expo but it's just crazy that with technology now we can do all these things from our homes but still build these relationships with people so yeah thank you guys for having us on here this was really fun
1: yeah man my Thank you for everything you've done for the musky world like the content, just all of it, you know, it's it's we're 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 in the state of Pennsylvania, you know, sitting here watching keys outdoors, and it's brought a lot of us together and it's just it's a very cool thing and we're super thankful for all the hard work and the effort and the episodes and the content just thank you both for coming on here tonight. And and just having this discussion with us, it meant the world. So thank you guys very much.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for watching. All right, guys. Like I said, I'd be happy if eight guys watched. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't even care if they were relatives.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, guys.
0: Have a good one, guys. Thank All you. Right, again. Thank you. Thanks, Bye, guys. guys. Thanks. Thanks. I had to shake them on my last case. Big O don't play.